Hello, sports fans. This is Sellout Sports. I am Tori Rich, joined by Mike Mawson in Mike Mawson's high rise apartment in Bennington, <laughs> Bennington, Vermont. We can, uh, we're going to use that a, while we can. Right? I would say a pot- potential change of venue coming up, uh, but um, you know, we'll you know stay tuned. I guess it doesn't really matter to you guys, right? Um, maybe maybe someday as we as we move to video and then you see our beautiful faces. I just, I just had audio issues again. What's going on? I don't know. Sound good over here. I don't know. Hit the music while I figure it out. I guess. <laughs> So, uh, so where I came from tonight was, uh, so I had to go shopping at Walmart, always a depressing experience, especially at our Walmart, but then to make it more depressing, it was with like, there's something, there's something about being in a Walmart that's pretty empty. And then there's like Christmas music echoing through it. It's like, sounds like the start of a horror movie. uh, No, So no, for me, it's more like the, uh, it's like the stereotypical depressed, divorced cop, like oh, over like, the hill, you know, like uh, walking alone and like the, you know, the bread aisle. Yeah. You know, or, or like, you know, buying like, reheat, you know, microwave dinners oh, and yeah, like and, hot uh, pockets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, like and uh, and and like a 18 pack of Coors Light. <laughs> exactly. It just uh, yeah. It just like doesn't know how to cook for himself and just, you know, has a pretty miserable existence. And and then I thought about it and I was like, well, it's. You know, I guess I'm one of those stereotypical jobs too, right? Like, you know, like the, you know, the old jaded journalist, you know, like, you know, I don't think I have any street cred though. Cause I'm not a, cause I'm not an alcoholic. I feel like you need to be an alcoholic to be like a legit journalist, right? Well, back in the day. Yeah. I mean, they used to booze in the newsrooms. Like, you like know. Hemingway would just be like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? You know, like he, he'd Very be a disgrace em- to the industry. Yeah, I, I feel like Hemingway would be embarrassed by me. Robert Frost, you know, like it was just, I, I guess I'm just saying writers in general, but, uh, I don't know, um, but the reason I I, I kind of bring that up is also like you know you know those those memes and those jokes out there like like if that NFL coaches if they weren't coaches yeah and then it was like Belichick was like a funny one where it was like like a he was like closet BDSM master or something yeah, like yeah. that was the one that I saw but uh, like no, like he looks like that grizzled old cop you know like over the hill cop like over the hill detective you know what I mean I oh, can kind of yeah. see him as that guy you know especially now. Like not not to pick on him, but you know he just lost Linda. You know, like she she bailed on him, and um, you know, good for you know what, good riddance. You know what? Because she probably she probably left him because he was you know because he was because he was losing. You know yeah. what I mean? And it's like it's like you don't need that, Bill. You know. Well, guess what, Linda? We picked up a W tonight. <laughs> exactly, dude. And and uh, you know we can talk about this later. We can get into the Patriots. You know, um, but yeah, the the Patriots get a win against uh, Mitch Mitch Trubisky and the Steelers. And it wasn't pretty. I don't think anyone expected it to be. Um, it looked like it was about to be a you know a high scoring game, and then uh, actually the Steelers had the only only points of the second half, huh? But um, yeah, yeah 21, yep. 21 10 at half, yeah. Yep. So, um, but I, hey, man, I say the more the Patriots win, the better. I don't think you want one of those top two picks, and if you get one of those top two picks, Belichick's going to get fired. So if you still want him, 
and uh, obviously he's coaching the defense well still. So they yeah. need to they need to do something where he saves face, but they take the personnel decisions away from him. I think they like they let him keep the general manager title, but behind closed doors. They just go. He's, you're not. Uh, he's the he's the Philadelphia 76ers general manager. He's he's out in brand where it's really Daryl Morey making the decisions. Yeah, 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 there we go. That works. But uh, speaking of behind closed doors, um, we have a couple of uh, esteemed Florida politicians who think that you know something shady happened to their Florida State Seminoles. Gasp. And uh, yeah, <laughs> intrigue, right? Um, no, not really. Um, these are a couple of pandering fucking morons, and uh, when I listen, when I, you know we have a, we kind of have a policy here. We, we don't talk politics. I don't. I don't even know what your politics are, and we don't really give a shit, right? Like, yeah, I don't think I know yours either, and I don't really care. I think you know I'm an asshole, so you can probably make some. You can probably make some guesses. Um, I'm old. I'm I'm mean, so you can probably make some guesses. But I'm not a Republican, and. Um, and I'm really, ha- I, you know, today's one of those days where I'm really happy to say that, that I'm not a Republican because these guys are fucking morons involving them. So the reason I bring that up is we don't talk politics, but when these idiots come into our arena and talk sports, yeah, they're, they're going to get destroyed. And that's what's about to happen here. Honestly, even though I say, uh, you know, I'm not a Republican, I'm not a Democrat either. So. Uh, it reminds me of Hillary's disgusting pandering on the campaign trail, just like saying the most cringy, embarrassing things that, and, and I love it. It's it's like porn for me to watch in politicians embarrass themselves. It, I I really enjoy it. Um, and so watching Hillary embarrass herself, it, it's kind of like that. This, this makes me a little more mad because it's football. But like like, do you remember this one, Hillary being like like. Do you remember Pokemon Go? Did you play? Was that a thing for yeah, you? Yeah, I played Pokemon Go. Yeah, okay. I do. I do remember. Um, I, well, I, I don't know if I remember or if I've just heard you say it a few times now. I think you, <laughs> you've been my. You know, you've rewrote the the history books when it comes to Hillary and, and Pokemon Go for me. So uh, yeah, please let yeah, the and, listeners. Uh, know. Right, right, and uh, they might have already heard it in an earlier episode, but that's okay because not everybody listens to every episode, right? So Hillary, it's just one of my favorite moments, and Hillary's like. Like, yeah, so all the kids, they're all talking about Pokemon Go, but I'm trying to get them to Pokemon Go to the polls. <laughs> and it was just like, <laughs> like, everyone was just like, did she really just fucking say that? And so anyway, like, so I, I love politicians making an ass of themselves. However, when they involve themselves in football, it's a combination of like, this is hilarious and a little bit of rage too. Like, Stay the fuck out of it. So let me explain what's going on. So first of all, Ron DeSantis, current governor of Florida. Correct. I can't even get these idiots straight. Um, Ron DeSantis and, and current presidential candidate still. This guy just doesn't look or sound presidential in the least. But um, we probably thought that about other candidates. So who the fuck <laughs> One knows? comes to mind for sure. Yeah, right? Um, <laughs> the joke just kept going. Um, yeah, so maybe this joke will keep going too. But this is just disgusting and says something about Florida to me. And if you're from Florida, I I don't apologize. Um, but I don't know. Just just like maybe maybe reflect for a second on this. Like if if you like what what Ron DeSantis has to say about your Florida State Seminoles, if you think he should be involved, just take a second. Just take a step back for a second and think about 
what anybody outside of Florida would think of that situation. So let me get so Ron DeSantis's statement was um oh so Ron DeSantis has included in his budget recommendations one million dollars for litigation expenses to come as a result of the NCAA's poor decision to exclude our undefeated FSU football team from the college football playoffs. This is straight from his Twitter X whatever the fuck account. <laughs> yeah, he's just one million listen, pandering. one one million dollars, you know, honestly, not huge in the grand scheme of things, even in, you know, even just in one state. But it does feed some hungry kids or or some immigrants that are making their way in. That you know, there are, you know, there are other uses for this money. And it's not to investigate. Listen, I I was a I was furious about the Florida State situation. I uh I actually uh so you know if you're if you're a regular listener, you know I'm the editor of our local paper, Mike's the sports editor, and uh and so I put a political cartoon that I found in our paper, and then uh and it was in so I got it into today's paper, and I cut it out and I. Put it right on Mike's uh, right. Yeah, it was a nice little uh, greeting this yeah. morning when I came in. And it's a uh, little Cindy Lou Who wearing an FSU shirt. And then it was the Grinch who stole the college football playoff. It was that that that's the college football playoff committee. So that's how I feel about it. I, I still think they got robbed. That being said, this does not involve fucking politicians. Do your fucking job. Stay the fuck out of it. Million dollars to to investigate what? Like, whether you think they got it wrong or not, it's their job. And he was speaking, um, I, I listened to, like, the two-minute, 30 seconds that he devoted to this uh, during some Florida summit where it seemed like, you know, other policies and, you know, issues at hand probably could have uh, suited the time a little bit better than than talking about focus on football. Yeah, it was, it was focus on Florida's future is what the podium said. Yeah. So I, I don't know if that's the name of the conference. Um, but... I mean, yeah, I mean, you're hearing me trying to talk about politics right now. It's not going well. Well, that's about as, as well as DeSantis, uh, DeSantis spoke on, on sports. You could tell he's like, he's, you know, he's reading from a script and he's trying to sound educated. And he's like, you know, uh, the college football and, you know, doesn't say committee, playoff committee, you know, just stuff like that. He's like, we're a power five conference. We should have been in. And then he goes a little deeper into the weeds, kind of stuff that, that Tori was saying last episode. I don't know if he's a sellout sports listener. So if you are, Ron, uh, hello, I guess. But um, We don't need you. <laughs> fair enough. Um, but yeah, man, it's just, when politicians talk sports, you can tell it's forced. It feels cringy. And I'd rather them <laughs> deal with bigger issues. It's kind of like when... Um I don't know when they have like somebody who's obviously not good at comedy come on Saturday Night Live, like like they yeah. have like an act, you know, an actress that's serious or a, or a singer, somebody that's just not meant for a monologue. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you can just tell somebody wrote every bit of it for them, and they don't know how to deliver it. And, and they've so, been yeah. like nervous about it all week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. They're like ah, the Power Five conference. Uh, it's, he's like <laughs> he's like reciting the whole yeah. thing backstage. So it's just like you fucking tool, shut up. Like this, this is embarrassing. It's just, it just, this shouldn't happen. And, and, and it's, I don't know, man, but that being said, you've gotten a, a little glimpse into, you know, the social media landscape that we're dealing with. And, uh, and you know, as we get more listeners and I say things like this, which I will not stop saying, we're going to get some hate for it. Cause I know, cause I know for a fact from our social media accounts that there are people that are like, well, yeah, you can get involved. Yeah. Like Florida, you're like, that's exactly what should happen. It was corrupt. Bro. 
it's like, like it's like guys uh you know there was a committee and and i want to get into you know because desantis wasn't the only one right rick scott uh released um he, he made a call for action as well he released this uh press release for better or worse and uh the first sentence within the first sentence quote made the shocking de- shocking decision behind closed doors to exclude florida state <gasps> Oh, you mean the you know the committee that has been behind closed doors openly <laughs> since its inception they, a decade ago? They've been very open about this <laughs> that they were not going to let in visitors. This is this is not town meeting open open meeting law like you know it's like a like, like a select board. That's not what this is. Like you, that's not a gotcha moment there. Uh, sorry, <laughs> sorry to tell you tell you, Rick. Like it's it's very well known that they have private meetings and like he was like he was like a, a half a step away from calling the committee lizard people. Like that, I think that's. <laughs> I think that's about where he was going. And uh, I, I just think this is hilarious. Call, so the, the, he's calling for an investigation. There needs to be an investigation. Um, wait, so what, what did he say? He wanted um, the he want, correspondence of the committee. He wanted like letters and emails and shit like he that. He wants everything. He wants that. Yeah, he wants text emails uh, from the committee members on this decision. He wants... Uh, ESPN's emails in in text messages. He wants the SECs. It, it's just like who can I blame? It's Dude. like who are people talking about them, them, and them? You know, it's if his constituents are actually eating this up. I'm. It's, it's I'm sad, I mean, I'm a, yeah. I'm already concerned day. about the state of the world. Um, you know, but if they're actually eating this up, and if this actually gets him like legitimate votes, if if, if this gains him more votes than he loses, because let's be honest, we know it's going to get him some votes, right? Oh, of course. But if this gets him more votes than he loses, yeah. If it's a net positive, if it's a net positive, I'm disgusted. And because yeah. here's the thing, man, if the, if this is if if we had a politician draft, the, like let let's let's say let's say you know they 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 had a chance of me voting for them, right? Let's just, just for fun because they don't. But but just for fun, let's say they did. Like, if we had a politician draft, this takes them off my board. Like, I just I don't care how much potential, how much promise, they're off the board. Yeah, they're if done. This, if this ends up being a net positive, Florida, how about we do that thing again where you know you're still voting, right? Like, let's just <laughs> let's just not count those votes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dude, I mean, honestly, like, how often do you just think that on social media anyway? Like, these people vote. Fuck. Dude. These people vote. I think I said it on on the show the other day. Um, it's like ever since I was a little kid, it's just like the stupidity surrounding like everyday life is just amazing. Yeah, uh, it, it really is. And it's I've dude. It only gets worse as you get older too. I hate to break it to you, like you just you just become more and more astounded and more you. Again, this is a new sensation for me where I just am starting to realize, I like. Like I've hated myself my entire life, and I still do in some respects. But it's only been in the past year or so that I look around and I'm like, "Holy fuck, I'm smarter than almost everybody I know." Oh shit, that's when we started to hang out. It's like, yeah, exactly. Uh oh. Yeah, when How I got I? see see when, once I got the confidence, <laughs> once I once I had some confidence in myself, I was like, I should do a fucking podcast. <laughs> so hey, maybe the you know maybe the brain trauma just advanced, you know, because there is like a certain runaway train element to CTE. So maybe I'm just getting into that advanced stage. I don't know. Um, let's hope not yeah um but anyway so yeah rick scott um i just it always cracks me up when i hear a politician talking about investigation too but i mean like you said the hilarious behind closed doors thing first yeah, of all come on it's so like yeah yeah rick scott you haven't done anything behind closed doors right 
He's like, I'm sure you want all your texts and emails. Yeah, yeah. I would like. Do you want to go down this road, fucking Voldemort? Let, Voldemort? Let, do you want? Do you want? Let's go one for one. I'm sure there's. It's gonna yeah. be uh, pretty ugly for you. Yeah, uh, dude. That he is an ugly motherfucker. So yeah, I I would like to see you. You know, I I think we discover some emails to the Dementors or something. <laughs> I don't know. Like I don't know. I didn't read Harry Potter. Were, were they related Dementors and or was that like two different two different camps of evil? I don't know. Um. Yeah, or in the real world. I mean, let's be honest. Like, like, where, where, where's the money going, Rick? You know what I mean? Because I bet some of it's in some call girl's bank account. You know what I mean? Just speculating, alleging, not, uh, you know. But based on what I know about politicians, you know, just saying. Maybe, you know, um, yeah, yeah. Do have you been on Jeffrey Epstein's plane? Just saying. Um, not saying. Not saying anything happened. Not you know. Just bring it back to sports for a minute here. Um, the the one of the funniest parts is like the committee had these like rules like written down. They're like, hey, if if somebody gets injured, we're gonna take that into account. And now it's just like this shocking revelation for our U.S. senators. <laughs> it's just like if anybody should like read like the documents before you know producing these. <laughs> you know, th- this outrage, it should be the politician that's, that's or, what, or like you, a secretary or something like, hey, hey, Rick, like they actually like it's actually clearly written right here. Like, hey, Jordan Travis broke his leg. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> committee's like, fuck that. <laughs> like it's written right there. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah. So like they, you know, let's be honest. Rick Scott had no fucking clue. Ron DeSantis no, had no fucking not. clue. They're, they're and then people to... manufactured outrage. Like basically they probably just, you know. I mean, at this point, politicians probably can just go on social media and see what's trending. It's like, oh, we should talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> like, like people would be interested. Click, clickbait politicians. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, like, dude, they, like pandering is their job. Like, it's not like they actually give a. At the national level, I don't think any politician gives a fuck about you. Um, I we are we are Vermonters. Like, I met Bernie Sanders, and no, I don't. He's a fucking fraud. <laughs> He put his hand up, dude. He did the hand on my shoulder thing, and I was like, "Dude, don't touch me." Hey, hey, listen, son, we're, we're doing what I what we can for the for the flood victims, and uh, <laughs> I, I just kind of like shrugged it off. Like, 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 please don't touch me. Like, I, I didn't ask for that, and I'm not your son. Oh, man. So yeah. So I'm just saying, Democrat, Republican, I hate them all. Um, state state people. Hit and miss. You know what I mean? I think some of them actually care, especially in Vermont. We're, we're a citizen legislature. These people have day jobs. They they actually fucking live here, unlike Bernie. So, you know what I mean? Um, like, why is he even our fucking representative? Whatever. I, I can't go down that road. I can't do it. Um, for like, a different podcast. Like, oh, I, I hate capitalism. Buy my book. Buy my book. But I hate capitalism. Fuck off. Anyway. I don't um, know how to transition to this, but let's talk some <laughs> NFL, I guess. There is no segue for this, but yeah. Uh, so just let's just go to happier topics, right? Um, so the Colts and the Bengals, man, uh, these are, you know, <laughs> you, you wrote it here. It's the uh, it's the overachieving bull. Yeah, that, that's what it feels like to me. And uh, last week we wouldn't have said that, right? Because it would have been, oh, you know, Bengals lost Joe Burrow and Browning doesn't look good. And then... Monday night comes around and he's 32 or 39 for over 300 yards lights the world on fire. And Oh, now the, now the Bengals have a chance again. And it's just like, we, you know, the book's been out on the Colts. Like we talked about it, Steichen, maybe coach of the year mm-hmm. and, and everything like that. So 
You know, we left the coach of the year candidate out on that too. Like really, like I'd say McDaniel. I I mean, um, I mean, really. Uh, I think McDaniel gets uh, short end of the stick just because of the talent surrounded. No, for sure. Um, you know, and I, I don't think he should get it because of that. You know what I mean? Like, like, like it is just a little bit too much talent. But also, um, O'Connell. You know, with the Vikings, right? Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, they're trending down, so it's you know we're not talking. Well, we don't. Out. I mean, they had the bye week, so yeah. they they weren't really in and our consciousness. With, and they're sticking with Dobbs. They questioned if they were they're going to bench him. Right, so right. I'm happy to see that they're sticking with him. But, um, but yeah, no, I mean, he deserves a lot of a lot of credit too. But the thing is, I mean, Minnesota was good last year too, right? So it's just it's tough to win that reward uh, when you might lose more games this year than you did last nah, year. Nah, that's a fair point. Um, you know, actually, you know, if the Packers keep trending up, LaFleur could kind of be a candidate because honestly he did. Moving he, off Aaron Rodgers. I mean, that's that's a narrative right there that'll help you out. Like the, I mean, and you look at just like the progression of the receivers, right? Yeah. Like that, like, um, so yeah, shout out Kurt Benker. Um, you know, uh, so former backup quarterback for the Packers. I, I don't think he's active right now. He, he might be technically a free agent at the moment. Um, but he, he has some good analysis, uh, online and, uh, he is, he does a good job. And, uh, but he, one of the things that he was saying is one of the biggest reasons that the Packers are, you know, starting a resurgence is because, because the receivers have progressed, which, you know, kind of like you would hope they would. And I mean, that's, that's gotta be a credit to coaching too, you know? Um, Watson got hurt, it? right? I think at the yeah, the tail end. Um, he had a yeah he uh, well you, you'll Shefter. like it he he had a hamstring, but uh, yeah yeah I heard it earlier with a leg, and I was like oh yeah everyone has legs. <laughs> he had a knee, he had a hamstring. Yeah, yeah me too. But um, yeah, no, one of my I, pet peeves. One of my pet peeves. <laughs> um, it sucked though. He uh, yeah he tried. It was like with like three minutes to go, and he was trying to make the smart play, and he just tried to kind of like kneel down in bounds to keep the clock running. Mm. And it was awkward, and then somebody hit him from behind. You know, oh, wow. not not intention. You know, he yeah. didn't not knowing he was going to kneel because it was kind of a weird play to kneel. Right. But um, and yeah, like looked like he aggravated his hamstring. That's where he was grabbing. So Watson, yeah, and he looked really good. Um, Dobbs made a big play in that game. So uh, anyway, I totally distracted from what we were talking about. Cause, but I, you know, it was just coach of the year conversation. But um, like you said, Steichen's in that conversation, right? And. In a way, yeah, the Eagles are ten and two, but you see the struggles on offense. We'll talk about that. We can talk about that in a second. But um, I don't know. It's just like the the offense doesn't feel the same at all, and so that's kind of that's also part of it too, yeah. right? Like like he brought Steichen obviously brought something to the Colts and is uh and is making you know as much as everybody loves Gardner Minshew, he's kind of giving Minshew his first sustained success in the NFL, right? So, um, and then on the other side of it. I've said for a long time, like I don't believe in in the Bengals because of because of coaching because of uh, because of Zach uh, Taylor yeah Taylor thank you um, because I because he doesn't believe in running the ball but you know he might have a case to not run the ball because I like I didn't, I couldn't believe this when we looked up uh, some of the stats tonight Mixon's average per carry is three point eight. Three point eight, yeah, that's not good. And I, and you know me, I still believe, yeah, but you still hand it off more help, especially if your quarterback's Jake Browning. You have to, you have, like, scheme it up, figure it out. You have to run the ball. Um, I thought they, I thought they invested more in the offensive line to partially, partially for that reason. Obviously, it's protect to protect Burrow too, sure. right? But you know, part of it's to run the ball too. And a lot of teams, again, a lot of teams just aren't doing that. And uh, 
And it's tough too because uh, you know some of these teams have have two guys. I mean, the Bengals are one of these rosters that were it's Mixon and it's uh, it's nobody else after Mixon. Um, and so when when he's getting ten to twelve touches, that's just not enough. When you look at a team like the Lions, where you know Montgomery's getting the the goal line work and he's he's shuffling in elsewhere as well. Yeah, Gibbs is getting what. 11 carries a game, but then you, you factor in Mount Montgomery's carries. And then you're like, I mean, the lines are tough because the lines are, are pretty run heavy. So not, maybe not the best comparison, but you get what I mean. Um, yeah. I mean, they, you know, it, it seems like, a, you know, sometimes Mixon's almost more a threat uh, as a receiver out yeah. of the backfield too. Like, yeah. I don't know, maybe they need more, a more classic, you know, running back or, you know, or maybe it is on the offensive line, but I just think, uh, especially now, if if the Bengals at six and six are going to have any chance, um, obviously it's going to have to be some with the running game. I, you know, Browning's got weapons, and we, you know we've talked about this before. Like, okay, once a once a young guy with a little bit of potential, we don't know what these guys are until they actually get into a game, and we really don't know what these guys are until they get two or three weeks of you know of starter reps, right? Yeah. So um, starter reps and then get to play in a game. But yeah, the Bengals are, you know, still right in that playoff picture. It's going to be um, tough in that division. I don't know how many more divisional games they have left, but I mean, with the with the Ravens in there. and But they're only a game behind um, the Texans for the final spot in the AFC in, now in the after card. after what? Because uh, the Steelers fell a half game behind the Texans. And then you have the Broncos, the Bengals and the Bills all at six and six. So um, yeah. There has to be a point where you know you feel like the Bills are going to turn it around, but I don't know, man. And it's, yeah, um, is that our is that our next game on our dock? It is. Yeah, so let's uh, let's move on to Bills Chiefs, which at the beginning of the year, I think a lot of people would have uh, said quite possibly, and and that's the thing, it still could be AFC Championship preview, right? Um, yeah, when you hear Bills Chiefs, you're still thinking. Very, very exciting game, right? Like your your mind, even though both these teams are kind of a tier below what they what they have been in in years past, you're still that that game gets you excited when you hear it. Yeah, the uh, you know obviously you, you know you go to the overtime playoff game and like that's where my mind goes, right? Right. Um, Same here. But the Bills, you know, and the Bills have obviously underachieved more than the Chiefs, but the Chiefs haven't really overwhelmed either, you know. Um, yeah, their defense has been more impressive than their offense. Defense and running game, which yeah. which if they get, come into the playoffs in a good position, say the two seed, maybe the three, you know, ho- hosting at least one playoff game, they're still dangerous in the playoffs because of that defense and because of the running game. I would have drug tested you a hundred times over, you know. If that had been my pre-season. take at the beginning of the year. Yeah. <laughs> preseason, we're like, oh, yeah, you know, the Chiefs are they're in a decent spot because of their defense and their run game. Patrick Mahomes is in the in the passing game is kind of holding them back right now. Yeah, but how much – I mean, this was probably one of our first real arguments on the show, though. And I think you gotta, I think you got to give it to me here. Chris Jones has been more valuable than Travis Kelsey. And, I, and, and I'm not a dick. I like Kelsey. I like his personality. I like him, but he's slowing down. Jones is more important to this team's success than Kelsey at this point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Kelsey's still still doing a lot. He's had. I, mean, no, I love him, and, and he, and he, he had a bad game um, Sunday night, Monday night, whatever it was. Well, and I mean, Eagles too. He had the drops and everything. Yeah, he I, did have the drops there. He I think he's just slowing down, man. I wouldn't be surprised if this is the last year. You know, um, especially with the sugar mama, right? So, I don't know. Taylor said that she loves uh, watching football. So. <sighs> 
might be a little little bit of exterior pressure to keep the career going. No, no Kelsey's not done. He's got a, he's got at least two more. Years you think left. so? I, I I don't know. Maybe, maybe yeah. not. Maybe not like the number one tight end, but like you can still be effective and not be the best tight end in the league. Um, yeah. It's I don't know. It's uh, it's interesting. Uh, the guys like kind of kind of sticking around a little bit longer. Like, but. You know, it's a, I, maybe it's just guys that have a podcast too. Like, you know, they're a little bit more open and forthcoming. Like he, you know, because like I feel like Jason Kelsey talks about retirement for the last three years too, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if this was his last year. Well, either, and it but. also gives you, yeah, it shows. Uh, you know, there's been talk from professional athletes for decades about the fear of what's next because you play a game as a kid and then you grow up and then you're the best at it and then you're the man in high school and then you, you know go to college for free or you just if you know nba you go right to the league and then yeah and then you're 35 and all of a sudden you can't do that anymore dude so. let me let me tell you there this is a little bit too deep for our podcast and i'm an i'm just an idiot with a microphone right now but there's a lot of parallels between this i actually felt this way when like brady obviously was struggling with whether he was going to retire or not and uh and i was writing for a military news website so i was kind of looking for a tie-in you know what i mean <laughs> But there's a lot of um, parallels between that and leaving military life. It's just another thing that's kind of ingrained. Like, you know, most of us, you know, we joined the military, like, either straight out of high school or shortly after. And it's just, instead of college being an extension of high school for a lot of people, the military is an extension of high school for us. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like, you're with your friend. you know, you're around your friends every day. They, they, they all have the same interests. They're there all the fucking time, whether you want them to be or not, you know, <laughs> and then you get out. And then you're bored and you have no purpose. And so, like, I don't know, when people talk about PTSD, I am not minimizing PTSD at all. But, like, I don't have PTSD. But I was a fucking mess for a few years when I got out. You yeah. know what I mean? And and I think for the majority of guys that get out of the military, it's the same story. So I, I can relate to that. And, and honestly. Like, yeah, it comes down to, like, a, a lack of structure, right? After Yes, absolutely. That's that's actually, that's totally one of the words I would use. Yeah, it's, it's you know, you just have your whole day planned out. You know where you're supposed to be. Again, whether you like it or not, you you have a plan. You have friends. You have people around you. And um, and then one day you're out. And you and, and then the, the I guess the other part hard part about it is you go back home and you don't know, you don't know, um Everybody tells it to you, like all the guys that stayed in. You know what I mean? Like you know, I had the, uh, Staff Sergeant Mesa. He was a good guy, but he'd be like, "Hey, man, like every, you know, you should stay in. Everybody's everybody's gonna be moved on with their lives, and you think you're gonna go back and hang out with your friends? Like, no, man, they got babies and jobs and shit. Like, it's it's you know, and that's and it's true. You don't see you don't see your friends. I, mean, I didn't even see my family that much the first time I moved back. You know, um." Hundred percent true. So anyway, a little bit of a tangent there, but like it's there's a there's definitely a parallel there. So when you're talking about guys being a little bit more forthcoming about retiring and uh, and they're getting better about planning for the next step. Yeah, you know, I kind of have a little bit of a you know I don't want to assassinate Aaron Rodgers' character, but I kind of wonder if this miracle recovery is kind of a, a way to parlay into. Oh, what was he using? Remember when he dropped the bottle of something on the on the sideline? It's like it was kind of like a. Um, it just looked like a magic potion that he must be using or something. And uh, do, do you remember that? No, I don't. I remember when uh, people were saying that he had, he carried in a bong, uh, like he had like a gym bag. And <laughs> I think there was people. I don't. Were, I don't think was it. No, it wasn't a bong, was it? I don't know. I don't know, man. Social media is all a blur for me. Yeah, <laughs> for yeah. all I know, you it could have been. Can't 
distinguish what's true and what's not. But I could definitely see Aaron Rodgers like parlaying this into a like like yeah, this is what I did for recovery on my Achilles. You know, when he hasn't really had a plan to come back at all this year because it's because it's fucking insane. There's so no, I don't, I don't, he, I, he's not Snoop Dogging us. You know, he's not. I quit smoke and then uh, uh, I don't know, man. I, I, don't, I don't think so. And, and I, that's what I'm saying. I wouldn't hate. I wouldn't he's, be hating on him for doing it. He speaks it. so passionately about the recovery that I don't think so because yeah, okay, okay. And, I haven't really heard him talk about it much to be honest with you, but yeah, he's like, you know, I've attacked and we come on, let's let's just put it out in the open. Aaron, Aaron Rodgers is a weirdo. Right? He is a weirdo. Yeah. You know, if you, if you go to a darkness retreat for 48 or 72 <laughs> hours or whatever, you know, probably microdosing or macrodosing for that matter. Right, right, right. Um, you're a weird guy. But he uh the way he talks about, you know, targeting his recovery and, and putting everything into it, I I think he actually did want to come back. And then um Zach Wilson. <laughs> yeah. I mean I know it's it was almost like I do think he likes Zach Wilson too, and it's yeah, almost like he wanted to too, which is, it was like which he wanted to protect him. worse. Yeah, you know like well you know you don't know if that I don't know, man. I, I I am not questioning the reporting of Diane Rossini, but I also wonder if something could have been taken out of context. Now that being said, if what she said is true, and Zach Wilson was like, I don't know if I want to come back. Like, I don't want to. <laughs> it's so. How do, I don't know how we ended up on the Jets. Aaron Rodgers, right? But um, you know, so J, you know, Jake was texting me about it, and I was like. And at first, I was kind of like defending him because I was like, I don't know, man. Like Zach Wilson's a year older than you, basically, you know. And like, so like, yeah, maybe he's making a dumb young decision where he's like, he's like, well, they kind of set me up to fail, so I don't know if I want to do it. Like, maybe you know, maybe that's what his mentality is, right? And then I thought about it, man. I was like, you know what? Like, I've been really critical of Will Levis, right? For being, you know, it's like, dude, you're in the NFL. Like, don't be a bitch because you dropped to the second round. Shut the fuck up, right? Yeah. And and this is if, I need to be I need to be was, consistent, right? Yeah, if this was true, that's way more egregious than than Will Levis being like, eh, I'm gonna opt out of the second day of the draft, you know? Um, I mean that's there's no compare if you're quitting on your team, and obviously he's not because he's being named the starter, but the reason there's a comparison for me is just respect for the game. Because if you're a professional, especially, it's next man up. There's no you more, don't you there's, you there's are no more disrespect than looking your coach in the eye and saying I'm good. Thank uh, you. <laughs> and you're, you're paying me millions of dollars. Nah, I don't want to play. Yeah, right. I mean, again, you're you're a professional. Like, if you're if you're a college student and you're like, I want to prioritize my education. Like, okay. I mean, yeah. yeah. Like, I, I guess yeah, you're not right. A, yeah, you're not a scholarship player anymore because you're not providing you know what we asked of you. But you know, like, um, or I get. Yeah, do scholarships even matter anymore? It's, it's, no, it's I mean, about, they do for most people, I feel uh, like. You know, we, we, we get caught up uh, in NIL. No, no, no. I, I'd, I'd be interested to see how much, you know, what the cross-section of guys that are actually making, like, legit money on NIL. But even the guys that are, you know, I mean, are there guys that are just pulling in an extra 500 in NIL money? You know, like, just to... just to Good for them. You know, you know have a nice night out. The, the uh, kind of things that guys got in trouble for before so they could buy themselves a fucking suit or, you know, like, you know, gas money, you know, food that's not at the at the dining hall. I don't know. Like, yeah. Um, I'd be interested to see what the cross-section is. I, I, yeah. I wonder what the studies are on that. Um, anyway, we were still talking Bills and Chiefs, though. That was... Uh, got off on a tangent about retirement there, but... Uh, so yeah, Aaron Rodgers, weird dude. Speaking of weird dudes, Sean McDermott. <laughs> so I couldn't, 
I, I debated whether we should like just leave this one alone because I believe that he's remorseful and I believe he's just a weird guy yeah. and, and had a weird message, but kind of like read the room wrong. Uh, you know, and and I sympathize with it in a way because I've been a coach myself. You know what I mean? And you just you like, how do I reach these kids? You know, like that's a, like that you, you get in that mentality. You know, like and and so you want to have a different message than they've ever heard before because like the message gets stale, right? But Sean McDermott, nine um, eleven is probably not a message. You so wanna... yeah, so Sean McDermott used nine eleven and not and not nine eleven firefighters, not nine eleven police or first responders of any kind. He used the terrorists on nine eleven as an example of teamwork, <laughs> um, communication. Yeah, yeah. So this is from a story um, by Ty Dunn, and actually, did, did we find where, where does Ty Dunn work? So, um. Oh, that dude! It's the same guy I was telling you about. It's Tyler Dunn. Go long. Oh, really? Yeah, it's the that okay. go long page. This guy's good. Yeah. Um. So here's a here's a bit of an explanation um of Ty Dunn's story uh of what happened. This is back in 2019, by the way, and apparently during training camp because it was at it was at St. John Fisher College in New York where uh where the Bills you know have their camp. So uh. Here's an expert excerpt from uh, Dunn's story. But McDermott's morning address began innocently enough. He told the entire team they needed to come together. But then sources on hand say he used a strange model, the terrorist on September 11, 2001. He cited the hijackers as a group of people who were all able to get on the same page to orchestrate attacks to perfection. One by one, McDermott started asking specific players in the room questions. What tactics do you think they use to come together? A young player uh, tried to methodically answer. What do you think their biggest obstacle was? A veteran answered. A veteran answered TSA, which mercifully lightened the mood. Oh, <laughs> cringeworthy! Uh, I yeah, I don't really have anything to say there. It's that's uh, besides not good. Um, yeah, it's 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 so uncomfortable that it's not funny. Actually, um, I mean, okay, it's it's still a little funny and. 9 is not funny. It's not what I'm saying, but because here's the thing is, uh, it's so McDermott also said he he lost somebody in 9/11, and uh, yeah, I, I just again, like I said, I sympathize with coaches, you know, trying to find a a new way to motivate people and everything like that. I think he's sorry, but I just I couldn't let this one pass by because it was just so weird. It's like why, just why. So like he like, definitely planned this though, like to some extent. It this didn't just come off, you know, from he didn't shoot this from the hip. Like he was, it's he, a, he had planned this message, right? And somewhere along the lines, he's brushing his teeth in the morning. He's looking himself in the eyes, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about 9/11 at the team meeting today." You know, like, and did he like? I mean, he's a sports guy. He's a, he was a wrestler. Yeah. You know, did he have any shortage of? of uh potential teamwork examples that you need to go that deep in the well like oh 9-11 hijackers <laughs> he's like yeah the team really wasn't listening to me yesterday i gotta come up with something good today. I, I mean yeah i mean you know maybe he was just doing like josh the- allen was just playing madden you know he wasn't wasn't locked into film study i'll, I'll get him today that, that just you think like uh, I'm gonna grab his attention like shock value shock like shock comedians you know just uh, is like whoa what did he just say what like, 
My, that's like Michael Scott shit. Like that. That's really. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Michael Scott. And it, it, yeah, it is kind of farcical, right? Like that's just, that this really happened. And then like for me, it's just like, it's kind of weird for me to imagine in an, like in a college locker room, I kind of get, I mean, I've been in a college locker room, you know, a college film room, you know what I mean? Like, you know, not high level, but I've been there and I just don't remember coaches getting up there and giving a Ted talk. You know what I mean? Like this is weird. Like, like I, I don't. How many? I wonder how many coaches do stuff like this. You know, in a more you know with more normal examples. But I, even yeah. that was weird to me. Yeah, because, you know, um, you know, you hear it from you hear it in the Manning cast, you hear it um, from from former players all the time. The narrative, like the idea, is when you go into the locker room at halftime, right, game day. You're giving this rah-rah speech and, right. you know, everything's changing and they're making adjustments and everything. And the player's like, no, like, we're eating a banana. Uh, we're stretching. Maybe and, taking a shit. And, yeah, and yeah. then maybe, like, the maybe my, like, position coach is talking to me for, like, a minute or two, but then we, we're right back out on the field. Like, there's no adjustments. There's none of that shit. Like, it's just we're playing football. Yeah. Like, I mean, we, I mean maybe, maybe scripting the first series, right? Probably something like that, but... Um, probably getting yelled at for being a pussy on this play or whatever, yeah. you know, but, but yeah, there's not like a, there's not like a, a giant change in Come game plan. Jesus moment. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Or, or the rah, rah speech. Right. Um, uh, Edelman had a good, uh, a good bit about that, but I don't know if it was halftime or pregame. I think he was talking about pregame preseason, I think, or, I, Oh, you're right. It yeah. was like, he was saying, yeah, like preseason was kind of the, uh, the dress rehearsal for, yeah. you know, uh, and just working out things like that. When am I going to take a shit? You know, like I mean, these things matter, people. Like, you know, crude or not, it does. So um, these things are important. Um, but yeah, um, so yeah, I don't know. I just it, it, it's kind of a, a look inside, and and I wonder, you know, we've we've questioned McDermott's X's and O's too. So it's just like, wait, like what's going on there, man? I I don't know. Um, and I kind of wonder again, you know, like I don't take it lightly, you know, talking about somebody's job, but it's like you kind of wonder, like if they don't make the playoffs this year, they got to move on from McDermott, right? And there's gonna, there has to be pressure there. I don't think there's really been pressure on his, like his seat hasn't been really that hot. No, when, and you know, and the, the, you could say they've underperformed in the playoffs the last two years. I mean, they shouldn't have lost the, the game to the Chiefs that we were talking about the overtime jo- one. Dude, yeah, and Josh Allen should not be winless in overtime either. Like that just shouldn't be a thing. No, and and, and again, I don't really like. I don't know if I put that on Josh Allen. You know what I mean? Like I don't there, think there's uh, some. It, it's no, no, it's, not all. Yeah, of it, I mean, yeah, you know? no, I got you. I mean, obviously, we we've talked about his decision making, but there, you know, coaching matters too. So no, it does. And, uh, so anyway, but yeah, going back to this bills chiefs game, it's just, uh, obviously the bills need it more. I felt that way about the Eagles game too, though, but the bills are coming off a bye. chiefs have, uh, you know, chiefs have looked better. Um, you know, and we, we kind of already had the debate a little bit. Um, it's an interesting one, you know, about Mahomes. Like I said, you've been on this, you know, it kind of seems like it's communication with the receivers, um, you know, as much, as much as the talk is about drops, you know, but it's, it's about communication with the receivers and being on the same page with them and wondering if, yeah. how, how much of it is Mahomes and how much of it is, you know, um, how much, is, obviously we, you know, I just said, you know, it's a difference with the Eagles, different offensive coordinator. In exactly. Kansas City. I was just about to bring that up. You talk about, 
yeah, you know, the drops like we were mentioning, but not being on the same page with receivers and then couple that with, you know, inexperienced receivers who are learning a slightly different offense now that, you know, the enemy is obviously in Washington, right? So um, it's just a mix of things and it's it's catching up to uh, Mahomes for the first time in his career right now. Yeah, and I, I, I think there's probably an element of, you know, you know, bad habits for him too, but, you know, like, um, and, you know, maybe he's going to, take a little bit more of the blame than he should obviously not if collinsworth is announcing but um but you know like maybe i maybe i'm being too tough on him you know what i mean and again like i mean if mahomes wins five games in a row right now then now we're talking about him for mvp right so like yeah. um and and that very well could happen i mean this is, like chiefs are at home this week they could basically send the bills home for good you know basically end their season maybe maybe mcdermott's uh stint in buffalo right um like chiefs I could see a path to either of these teams going to the Super Bowl. I could see it's a path to either of these teams not making the playoffs. I which couldn't is, agree more. Yeah. Which is yeah. Which is kind of crazy to say about again, preseason we we say that, you know, ahead of this week fourteen uh, matchup. Yeah, both could, you know the Chiefs are gonna make the playoffs, but they could bounce out first round. Yeah. And uh, and uh and no, they probably will make the playoffs, but uh, you know, but geez, if if Denver pulls that one out last week, we, you know we, we might be talking about something else, right? But I mean, I, it looks the like AFC is wild. The AFC it is really wild. is. And I like I heard earlier about um, earlier this week talk about oh maybe the NFC is is the conference that we should really be like. No, it's still the AFC. It's just they're beating each other up. Yeah, it, it, and it's I mean obviously Joe Burrow getting hurt hurt like that le- that lessens the total you know, skill level across yeah. the conference, obviously, but it's still the AFC is by far the superior conference just because the 49ers, like two things can be true. The 49ers can be the best team in the NFL and the AFC can have a lot more talent than the AFC. I mean, and, the, bill, both are. the bills are the 11 seed. Yeah. Right? And they are very talented. The Bengals and the Browns. I don't think you're going to like confuse with a Super Bowl contender because of their quarterback situations. Um, It'd be cool if they could figure something out or catch a Nick Foles kind of lightning in a bottle. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Because um, don't forget, Foles looked terrible in that first playoff game against the Falcons, and it was just like, yeah, they're going to lose next week. And then, nope, <laughs> he looked he looked fantastic. So, um, so maybe the same kind of thing can happen, right? Um, again, that's the beauty of it. That's why we shouldn't be stressing about protecting quarterbacks so much because this is going to lead to some backup quarterbacks finding a career. Um. But anyway, yeah, point being, you know, to your point. So, yeah, the Bills are the 11 seed. And then we look over to the NFC, and it's really – it's four teams. Yeah, it's the Eagles, it's, it's the Cowboys, it's the Niners, and who's and, four? And uh, I'll put the Lions put because – Put the Lions, Goff, yeah, just that defense. It's a defense that, that yeah, yeah. was good, and now it's not again. It's and, just like this weird – Um, I know. And I, it's like them, I think, I think it's like them the and the Broncos can never be on, like, the same – path like if the lions are playing well defensively then the broncos aren't yeah. but it, you know it's weird or if they're playing well defensively they're not playing well offensively yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They, they they can't do complimentary football <laughs> apparently but but no the lions are nine and three and they have a quarterback who's been there before yeah no, you're so right. um so like is the, the moment might not be too big for the lions especially if they get two home playoff games you know what I mean? so um i don't know we'll see um but yeah you're talking about Nine teams in the AFC, legitimate shot for the Super Bowl. You're talking about four in the NFC, um, right? So that's yeah, it's a it's a massive difference. That being said, I still I stand by you know 49ers are Super Bowl chance if they stay healthy. Oh, I agree 100. percent 
but they just you know they just won't be quite as battle tested i yeah, guess which you know? is fine um but hey you know obviously they pounded the eagles and that's that's a legit win um so yeah speaking of right um so it's the you know this is the nfc east bowl right we got we got a bunch of oh sorry i forgot the the bills and chiefs was the who the fuck are you bowl yeah like, trying to figure it out who are these teams yeah we don't know so then the uh yeah so it's just the battle for the nfc east uh with the eagles and the cowboys and uh obviously this could be the team that you know this whoever wins this game could end up being and i, I tell you i i kind of put some stock in that that goofy little stat about playing playing after the 49ers um you know teams lose the week after they play the 49ers whether the 49ers beat them or not a little more bruised up yeah and uh and we i think we know the eagles are banged up we know uh we know hurts and uh and deandre swift are banged up um david carr knows that too yeah um <laughs> listen if he's saying to rest hurts because he just like doesn't look right you know but like but david carr was suggesting that marcus mariota is a is a better passer what like what have you seen in the past ever in so, the nfl to suggest marcus mariota is a better passer than so jalen hurts yeah let's just hurts has his warts he does but let, he, let's just say like let's just make sure everyone's aware he's saying that currently with jalen hurts banged up i don't think he's saying that at least i didn't get the impression that he's saying that a healthy jalen hurts is a inferior passer to, to marcus mariota but with that said I think he's still wrong. I, it's it's still Jalen Hurts, and I think it's Jalen Hurts by a decent margin. Um, and it's 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 a weird person to hear it from, <laughs> having so, it be David Carr. Dude, you you're. Uh, I'm a little too young for him. You're a little too young for him, and you're probably a little too young for uh, the guy that called him out because he couldn't remember the plays. You know what? I've, I'll, heard, I'll, I've heard it. I've uh, heard of that before. Um, yeah, and uh, so Vontae Leach, his fullback, who was like okay. one of the best fullbacks in the league at the time, um, he's the one that called him out for it. It was, it was like, really, you're going to say that about Jalen Hurts? Um, I so this is Carr's. I'd say he's probably better at playing quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. Okay, he said right now he'd be more productive. I don't even think that's accurate. Now, if you want to say, if you want to make some sort of argument that, uh, I don't know, man, this just feels like clickbait to me. This feels like, you know, pay attention to me because it drives some traffic. You know what I mean? Like, but, you know, man, like maybe it's a, you know, we got to take him, we got to take him on good faith, right? Like maybe he's saying some rest for Hertz would be the best thing for the Eagles, right? I don't think that's the problem. Hertz's stats actually weren't that bad. He, he obviously missed some throws. Um, uh, you know, saw some breakdown from multiple people. It's just like he he missed some wide open receivers that he sh- that he should have had. Um, but I, I I feel like the Eagles' offense is so dependent on the big play right now, and they don't need to be. Just run the goddamn ball. Like that. I, I the, and what, what happened to that? So they didn't run the ball, but they were getting it to AJ Brown early. That first drive, I think he had three three or four catches and and they were looking good they look yeah they looked okay and then you know they got field goals not touchdowns and that obviously hurt a little bit um the weird thing is is like the the 49ers pass rush didn't kill them you know not at all did they get a sack i don't i don't uh, know if they did 
Off you know, the top if they did, if they did, maybe like a Hertz stepping up and you yeah. know tripped up for a minus one or something. But I don't know. I mean, it, it, it was it's kind of a weird game for them to lose by twenty three. And I and I'm not saying that they didn't get manhandled. They did because they can't fucking tackle. I mean that that was probably that might be the story of the game. Honestly, the Eagles Eagles were not tackling. No, no. And uh, does Shaq Leonard fix that? Uh, I doubt it. I mean, there's a reason he was on the street, right? I mean, we, you know, we'll see. You know, maybe he just didn't fit that scheme. But I don't I don't see him like transforming the team you know what i mean maybe he's you know maybe he's a better tackler maybe he's a good locker room guy i don't know um you know like 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 zach Ertz. is zach Ertz gonna do anything to no like they need goddard back like zach Ertz has an average of average per reception of 6.9 i saw that uh the niners might be targeting zach Ertz. yeah i mean honestly if the eagles don't get him and he goes to the 49ers i'm okay with it i don't think I, I love Zach Ertz. He he won us a Super Bowl. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I think it's um, I think it's more that like uh like championship pedigree kind of bit being there before, kind of mentorship, um, and a guy that can still like make plays every now and then. See, his his bread and butter was being a vertical threat, and he's not that anymore. I mean, he's what thirty three now. Like he's just not. It's not like he was a he wasn't a kittle, you know, he wasn't a blocking tight end. He was Kelsey before the past few years where he became a blocker, you know what I mean? He was like a poor man's Kelsey basically. So, nah, man, and and again, I like him, you know, but he was just a big wide receiver. That's all he was, you know. Niners seem to do well with those those types of guys. I mean, Oh, with big watch. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, well, he's not a big. He's not even a wide receiver anymore. He's just a. He's a big slow tight end. That that. I'm t- I, I would like the the Niners fit. I would like the Eagles fit, but um, I don't think I haven't heard that the Eagles have expressed interest. Um, no, the Eagles, the, the Eagles they expressed did. interest, okay. but I, um, you know, the, the rumor is out there, but I just I don't think it's going to be impactful. Like gotcha. Jarrett Stoll is probably a better option than Zach Ertz at this point. And that's not fair enough. I don't mean any disrespect to Ertz with that. I just think, you know, if he didn't, if he wasn't a number one option in Arizona, like, he was, he was until like, he got hurt yeah, or, like, or not this year, but, but last year he had a good year. No, he was decent. But I mean like this year, I don't know. It didn't look like, and 6.9 per catch. Come out, that is the definition of pedestrian. So I don't know. I just wouldn't be clamoring for him. That's all. And, and, yeah, I, and yeah, I'm not. Okay. Fair enough. Um, so in other news with the Eagles, um, Jason Kelsey, this is going back a couple weeks, but Jason Kelsey and Jordan Phillips have some beef. Um, so Kelsey, uh, Kelsey said, so this is on a, uh, a fourth and one or fourth and two. They were going to run a, you know, the tush push. And uh, Jordan Phillips stopped that by just going offsides. He was just like, "I'm just not gonna part. I'm not gonna partake in this." <laughs> and, uh, so, um, so uh, Jordan Phillips just ran over uh, right guard Cam Jurgens and offsides first down Eagles. So, uh, just another way, another way to solve it, right? Um, but you know, because the because the the tush push is so dangerous, right? So you know, may, maybe this is how they want to. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just being an asshole, but. Um, so this is, uh, but then, uh, so Kelsey said that, you know, Phillips did it to, uh, intentionally tried to injure Cam Jurgens, and he should be fined. He also called it a disgrace. When I watched it, I didn't really get that. Obviously I'm not down there on field level. Jordan Phillips does seem like a little bit of a loose cannon. So, um, you know, I mean, he, again, maybe that's not fair because he was also reacting to asshole Philly fans. Right. I was going to say he was um, the same guy that was getting, 
Um, maybe he was just a little bit amped up that whole game, and maybe he's um, a more you know calm dude. But you know, other times, right? I, I don't know. Um, but but he was angry that day, and so that maybe that speaks to his state of mind, and maybe he was trying to injure Cam Jurgens. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so he responded to Kelsey saying that, uh, or uh, yeah, and he said about Kelsey, he's a well-respected guy around the league for whatever reason. And now, uh, now he suddenly has a voice because he's on his brother's podcast. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think a little bit out of line considering I, th- I think Jason Kelsey has earned our respect. Um, but Hey, you know, so the, he's fired up about that. He went on to say, look at the tush push. He dives at someone's knees on every play. So for him to try to speak on somebody being dirty, I don't think he has any right or any means to call for a fine when he does a whole bunch of stuff. So I think that's kind of crazy for him to even mention that. Now, do you think uh, do you think that's kind of the consensus thought from defensive linemen? Do you think that they're like fuck? Like, I I don't really see that. Like the whole point is to get low and basically create a space for Jalen Hurts to dive into. You know what I mean? Like like it's not even like. And the thing is, is if if they're lined up in that, you know, it's basically the formation is the tush push for formation now, right? If they're lined up in that formation, you know to protect your legs and you know to just get low. So like is he, is he saying like he's like he's trying to like kneecap people with his helmet? I I don't know. Um it doesn't look like anything I mean, whatever, in a pile like that, lots of dirty shit's happening. Um I mean I mean Chase Claypool just grabbed Hertz by the collar, which you're not supposed to be allowed to do. Well, actually in in the pocket you can, so I guess I guess that was fine. But did you see on on the tush push where they didn't get it? No, I, I didn't see that one. Um, yeah, so, so they did it two two plays in a row, and on the first one, Hertz got it was like from the two. Hertz got down to like the half yard line, but he didn't get there. And uh, so again, you can stop it. I mean, it was yeah, it was from two yards, but um, and then Chase Young just like grabbed him by the collar and ripped him back, and like which again you can do in the pocket, so whatever. Um, but yeah, nasty nasty shit happens in the piles sometimes. Um, these guys know more than I do. I'm not. I'm not down on the line of scrimmage, and, right? You right. know, in those piles. Uh, but I don't know, man. A couple weeks later, like you know, still mad about it. I I don't know. I but again, I didn't. I didn't get the impression from Phillips that he was trying to injure anybody either. So that's. I say the same thing. I, I think he just fired off and hit somebody, and you know, maybe gave him a little extra. I don't think he was trying to injure anybody. You know. So I I, I think um, probably a little bit too much made out of that. But hey, you know beef between players might be interesting who knows like what if they ended up in the super bowl right fun fact when i was five years old because i was a eagles fan when they weren't very good but the bills were good at the time so i remember i wrote a story not good enough i was at um uh, no not good enough and that's i think this is after the bills run of four super bowl losses and so i wrote a story you know for class and with like horrible stick figure drawings Mm -hmm. And uh, it was the Eagles against the Bills in the Super Bowl, and uh, so Eagles won that one, right? Uh, yeah, they did. Um, if I remember correctly, you know, uh, from from the the earlier works of Tory Rich, I, I think it was a low scoring game. So I was just always a defense first guy. Apparently, beautiful. Yeah, that's your manifesto, dude. My <laughs> my mom probably still has that somewhere. But and I always wrote. I didn't like I'd pens, love to see it. so it's, it's probably in pencil. So it's you probably couldn't even read it now. Yeah, but but yeah, I don't know, man. Maybe maybe it's around somewhere. Um, let's see. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we, we gotta do, we do have to do MVP talk. I kind of teased this a little bit already. Uh, 
Mawson, let's lead with yours. Non-quarterback for, for me. I'm going to go Tyreek Hill. Uh, you want to talk about impact winning and explosive and fun to watch and winning team? He checks all those boxes. Um, I mean, he leads the league in receiving yards. He has two more receiving touchdowns than anybody in the league with a dozen. Second in receptions. He's averaging like 25 yards more uh, per game than anybody. He's averaging 123. Nobody's averaging 100 besides him. Um, two is playing great, but uh, that offense isn't what it is without Tyreek Hill. I mean, just look at last week. The commanders decided to play man coverage against him for a couple of snaps, and it resulted in a 76-yard touchdown and a 60-something yard it's touchdown. It's like you're immediately playing with fire if you go like, if you like man up on him. Legitimately, like. 18 seconds of gameplay and the game was over because you went man without safety help and Tyreek Hill accounted for 14 points and 130 yards. And, you know, again, I'm not going to say I'd love to be proven wrong on this because, again, I just, you know, Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill's history. That being said, this year, I will I will give you yeah, this we, much. We just gave He's, him, you know, credit for um, for well, the for the camera situation. He seems to be a good teammate, too. Um, I don't know, man, like, you know, maybe putting too much stock in, but like, I mean, probably best, uh, other, he probably has the two best touchdown celebrations of the year between the backflip and, uh, and then the roller coaster one. I yeah. Mean, that's, no, I've, the roller coaster good. was cool with the really cool part was everyone wore their seatbelt. Did you know, they checked them in. Yeah. yeah I love it. Yeah. yeah it's just, it's awesome. Um, I, I thought it was an excellent uh, touchdown celebration, and I just like the yeah. I like I like involving teammates in them and everything like that. It's not just about you, you know. Like you know, like the, like there's something to be said for like everybody was in the roller coaster, you know. So he's like, yeah, we're in this roller coaster together, motherfuckers. You yeah, know, like yeah. I like I like it, you know. Um, I don't know. So I'll give credit where it's due there, and he does seem like a good teammate. Now that being said, I have some rebuttals, as you might have expected. <laughs> We can't have an MVP conversation without me ranting about it shouldn't be a regular season award. And I say this about every sport. It should not be it should not be voted on until the season's over. Until the until the postseason is over. Um because this is an award that that just has a ton it has a lot of stock. It is it is very important. It's very it's revered. It, you know, is thrown into contract discussions and Hall of Fame, you know. Hall of Fame ballots, how many MVPs did he win? And, you know, where was he on the MVP voting and all that shit? And it's like, I don't know, man. Like, Der Derrick Henry's pretty fucking valuable, but he's not He's not going to go anywhere in that conversation right now, you know, because his team's not winning. Um, so, and it, like, I think that's a little bit of a bad example. Derrick Henry's been playing well these last couple of weeks, but he's not like the Derrick Henry that he was. Are, are you saying like prime Derrick Henry? Are you saying this year's um, Derrick Henry? I, no, I get what you're saying. Um, I don't know. Like, honestly, if you look, okay, you look at uh, Justin Herbert. Statistically, yeah. very good. He's uh, top five in QBR, which is a, a much better measure of quarterback play than quarterback rating. Um, but, like, is it, how valuable is he? And he's not going to be in the playoffs. You know what I mean? So, I, I just, I, I don't know. And obviously, you, you don't end up voting for somebody for MVP unless their team goes to the playoffs usually anyway. Like, they're usually not in the conversation. Right. Um, 
I don't know. I think there was like the year that Barry Sanders rushed for two thousand. The Lions almost missed the playoffs, maybe. But right, it's um, it's it's just like the Heisman talk, right? Like Jaden Daniels was out of it early because of the losses, and then things broke his way, and now it looks like he's probably going to win it, right? Yeah. Um, but again, like, and this is this this is a cross sport, you know. Again, like, what should Joel Embiid have been the MVP after that after that playoff performance a couple of years ago? Like I say, absolutely not. Like, like MV, again, MVP awards matter for Hall of Fame reasons and everything like that. It's not so much the the hating on you know Joel Embiid as much as he took it. He took an MVP award away from somebody who was more deserving and proved it in the postseason. Again, I mean MVP or excuse me, NBA is an even better example because James Harden fucking just pounds on terrible competition all year and then sucks in the playoffs because he get, he goes up against good competition. Now there is actually kind of a comp, a comp there when we talk about Tyree Kill. What did they do to Tyree Kill? A couple, you know, the the Bucks against the Chiefs. I think good teams can take away a deep threat. Now he's not just a deep threat. I know that, um, and I think Mike McDaniel might do a better job of using him in other ways. Um, that being said, like just a small, speedy receiver, all it takes is a couple of hits, and you know, put a helmet in his hip, and you and you slow him down, right? Um, so that being said, I, 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 for that reason, and if there, you know, I will say this to your, to your point, if there was ever a year for a non quarterback, it seems like this is the one, right? Yeah. I thought you'd be proud of me. Uh, not picking oh, a for sure. For sure. Um, well, I mean, I, I think you gotta, I, eh, I hate wide receivers more than quarterbacks. So I, I got to push back on one thing you said about, uh, we'll go, we'll stop this cross sport comparison after this, but, um, it has to be said that the NBA, you know, they play every team, right? So, so they do play all the competition within the within the year, and then yes, you're playing heightened competition in the playoffs every game versus you know. Yeah. So if you suck against good competition, then you don't matter. But, but James, like, dude, James Harden is I, like I the quintessential your, like I reason get, why. I get your point, but I'm just I'm I'm just letting you know that they do play every team, right? So they they face that high competition in the regular season as well. It is just diluted by some lesser competition. Well, right, in, and which, it's also diluted by okay, like maybe maybe you know the night that the Celtics play James Harden, like they rest one of their starters and everything. Like but, yeah, that I mean, shit doesn't happen in the postseason. The postseason's where shit gets real. I got gotcha. the postseason's the only like, dude. I got gotcha. you, and there's. There's also postseason MVP, which I know you don't like. Okay, no, no, I, I, of course I like it. What I'm saying is it doesn't weigh nearly like people don't talk about postseason MVP like they talk I about think, MVP awards. I think that's the the um, topic you should try to try to hit home. I, I, I think I think we should keep the regular season MVP as it is. It's going to be tough. Like I, I'm not somebody that hates change necessarily, but it is tough to just be like MVP. Okay, from uh, you know, 1960 to 2023, it was a regular season award, and now we're gonna. Now it's gonna be everything. You know, it's well, yeah, but to, that's like saying, no, I like know. we used to have 14 games. Now we then we had 16 games, and now we have 17 games in the NFL. So it fucks everything up as far as all, all the records go, right? Like everyone's gonna make a big deal about Tyreek Hill getting 2,000 yards, but Calvin Johnson would have with a 17 game season. But Tyreek Hill is on pay, he. Uh, 
at this juncture, he has more yards than, than Calvin Johnson had, which, again... Yards per game. Yeah, I got you. He has about 50 more yards in 13 games than again, Calvin Johnson th- Again, did. this isn't Tyreek Hill hate. This is just... But we are in a different era. And let really. me let me just give one more point off about Tyreek Hill. You're talking about uh, good teams. Well, so the games that the Dolphins lost were games where Tyreek Hill was held under 100 yards. He's been held under 100 yards four times this season. Mm-hmm. And... Every time that's happened, the opposition has won. Or, yeah, excuse, or, excuse me. What, what am I saying here? Um, four times a season. Yeah, you win if you hold Tyreek Hill under 100 yards, unless you're the Patriots, because we know how the Patriots' right. offense is. So, but these are three good teams that they could, all three of which they could see in the postseason. Yeah, but. And they took him away, is kind of my. It's either, yeah, but those are they, three teams with. Actually, look at the common denominator. So if you're not the Pats. Who you know, and and Belichick is notorious for taking away your number one option, right? Like he, yeah, yeah. That, I mean, um, he just did he did two safeties the entire or three safeties the entire yeah, game. Yeah, so okay, but you look at the common denominator: pass rush, Bills, Eagles, Chiefs, three of the best pass rushes in the NFL right now. That's how you stop Tyree Kill. And so, if you have pass rush in in the postseason, you can. I'm not saying you can completely stop him. I'm not saying that Mike McDaniel won't scheme some stuff up. I'm just saying, like, if they don't protect him, if they if they don't protect Tua, and I think there are some teams they could. I mean, dude, the Bills beat them forty eight to twenty because they were because they just annihilated and they did lose to Ron Armstead, uh, you know, uh, about halfway through that game, I believe. But Eagles got to him, you know what I mean? And, yeah, but so the Eagles got to him, but I mean, yeah, he was held on under a hundred yards, but he still had eleven catches, no, eighty eight yards, and a touchdown. I mean, that's just I know, but that's not game. That's not game wrecking. Like we're talking about him against you know the Panthers or the, or this week against the Commanders. That's not that's not wrecking the game. I get you, I get you. But when your bad game in a season is, or you know, his worst game is three for fifty eight against. I'm the saying, Bills. I'll it, give you that. Here's but. the thing. If if Tyree Kill goes like over 150 every game in the or goes over 100 every game in the playoffs and the Dolphins win the Super Bowl, of course I'll admit I'm wrong. You know what I mean? I just, it's not going to happen. Like even even if the Dolphins are at home, you know what I mean? Throughout the playoffs, I just I don't see it. I don't see it happening. You're going to run into teams with better pass rush and and the NBA equivalent actually does kind of it does kind of hold up. Now the other thing is, however is if A-Chan's back and, you know, if they have that running game humming, then it, right, that's it, like might, the, it might become, it might make Tyree kill a problem. Well, the thing is, is, yeah, I mean, if, so Waddle has like 700 receiving yards, but nobody else has over 200 for the Dolphins, right? So it's really, it's Tyree kill. They're very heavy on him, yeah. And then some Waddle and not a lot of anybody else. Yes, they have a running game. It's, I don't want to say it's easy, but it's easier to take away your number one option as a receiver. Like it's a lot easier to be taken out of the game as a receiver, obviously, than it is as a quarterback when you have the ball in your hand every time, or even a running back who gets it handed off fifteen to eighteen times a game. It's a lot easier to, like, like I just said, like the the Patriots dedicated themselves to not getting burnt deep, right? And the Dolphins just chucked it down. Seven yard two at seven yards here, six yards here, found the zone and they won that game. Even and, that game was Tyree, close though. Yeah, Tyreek Hill went five for forty. Even that game was close though. Just for what it's worth. I mean Yeah, because they slowed the Dolphins. Like the Dolphins want to play with more possessions. That's right? my that's what I'm saying though, is if you the 
the Patriots knew they weren't going to do it with pass rush because it, it was, was Judon so, still around. Yeah, Judon yeah. was already out, right? No, I don't think so because I think that was before we. But he, but even basically, with Judon, it, they're not. It's not a nasty pass rush. Like basically, what it was, Tori, it was, it was uh, Indiana playing Ohio State week one. That's what it was. Yeah, I, I got you. Yeah, it slowed the game, the pace of the game down, and everything like that. But that's what I'm saying is if you do that, if you keep them from from being the big play team. The Dolphins don't get enough credit for how physical they are. Like, like, like I've seen it in multiple games. Like, the, the, like, like most most of it runs hard. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they're they're pretty. He leads, he leads the league in rushing touchdowns. Yeah. Um. There. Uh. Wait. He has more than a uh, McCaffrey. McCaffrey has twelve. Which. Uh, or they might be tied. Uh. Anyway. Um. But yeah, most Mostert's played well, and he's actually a pretty physical runner for a speedy guy. Um. Anyway, my point is. As you you know, whatever you and I, you and I will be able to argue about this in the playoffs whenever that time comes. I think that the better teams are gonna limit what Tyreek Hill does to them to to hurt them. Um, and for that reason, right now, it's just it's just really hard for me to make a wide receiver MVP. So I will actually Mostert has fourteen, McCaffrey has twelve. Go on. Oh, there you go. Wow, fourteen. Yeah. Um. He, yeah, he did have a couple of games with like four, right? So I guess that makes <laughs> sense. Um, okay, so uh, but speaking of McCaffrey, um, it's close because again, if if this was ever if there was ever a year to go non quarterback for MVP, it seems like this is the year, right? Because um, there's just a jumble of quarterbacks that have played well, but like nobody's really like head and shoulders above the pack. You know, Mahomes has had a down year, Allen's had a down year, Burrow's out. Um, so then, what's left? You know. Purdy, Hertz, Lamar. you know, uh, Lamar, right? To, uh, um, you know, it, and that's the thing is I will give you this. If I'm going with a Dolphins player, I'm going with Hill, which, and that's, that's again, that's not a knock on Tua at all, but like we just talked about what percentage of production, you know, for Tua is coming from Hill, right? Obviously he's just, it's he's about like, 50%. Yeah. He's a critical piece of that offense. So that all being said, McCaffrey is my MVP at this moment. I don't think it's going to last, and that's not because of McCaffrey. It's because I just don't see um, – I don't see a quarterback not winning it. Like today's NFL, I think it'll always be a quarterback. And so um, if we're looking at – if we're looking at quarterbacks right now, right, uh, at the end of the season, you know, right now I have McCaffrey, Hill, and then a jumble of quarterbacks. Probably throw Miles Garrett somewhere in there too, right? Um. If we're looking at the quarterbacks, you know, like I like I mentioned, I, you know, I, I I would never give a vote for uh for Justin Herbert, but it's funny he is fifth in QBR, which is for the most part a pretty accurate measure of quarterback play because you have Brock Purdy at one, you have Dak. You're not gonna like this. You have Dak Prescott at two. Yeah, he's played um, really well as a player. But 26 touchdowns, six interceptions. Right. Josh Allen is uh, is three, which is interesting with 13 interceptions, but um and Multi, I don't know how many fumbles, but quite a few. Uh, and then you have Mahomes at four for QBR. And then Herbert at five. Uh, Cousins, it was at six, uh, or technically still is, at, with eight games played. Tua, Jalen, Trevor Trevor Lawrence, Jared Goff, Stafford, Stroud, Lamar. Um, you know, that's like through 13 anyway. But yeah. um, so, you know, interesting. This would, be a, this would be a crazy one, but... One of these quarterbacks is going to catch fire, and um, 
and the, and they're going to win out, I think, and that's that's you know, or they're going to go four and one or whatever. I was going to say you don't even have to win out. No, no, but but it, but you know, if it, if Josh Allen gets his team to the playoffs, you know, you know, from where they are right yeah. now, you could yeah. totally see it being Allen. Oh, hundred percent. Right? Um, if he plays like he's capable of and protects the ball for five games if and Mahomes gets them to the playoffs, just starts to be some yeah. like. 85% of what Mahomes has been, right? Like yeah. if, if the receivers start to figure stuff out and the Chiefs continue to win, you know, they go four and one down the stretch. It's probably Mahomes's. Yeah. No, yeah. Uh, as much as as much hate is all throw Mahomes way, um, you know, I can't rule him out. He he should definitely be in the conversation. I don't like the uh the narrative that it's everybody around Brock Purdy, right? Um you know, we, we were we were like grasping for answers during that weird stretch for the 49ers. I think it's really like, yeah, they lost some key players. And so that I guess that hurts Purdy's argument. Right. But again, one of those games was against the Browns, which is almost a mulligan for every passing game. Right. Uh, one of those games he played well until he got concussed. So it was, it was the Browns, it was the Vikings and uh, and they lost one more in there. And he threw a bad interception in that one, too. And I, I can't remember. Can't remember which team that was. I'm drawing a blank too. Let me look it up. Yep. Um, but that being said, there's a there's a pass that Purdy made to McCaffrey that was freaking gorgeous. Like the, the, those two, is, it, it's tough. Um, if I had to if I had to pick the MVP from the 49ers, it's it's tough because Bengals. Uh, yes, Bengals. Bengals. That's right. And he had a bad interception in that game as well. Um. And it was just a bad stretch, you know what I mean? But you, like you see this in almost every sport, though, right? Like where like team teams do, you it's know, a long season. Right? Yeah, it, it's it is a long season, and and he was concussed. So, um, I don't know, man. You look at it, his, yeah, this one, this one pops out to me. This is just me looking at it right now. His average uh, is that completion. I think that's average per completion is a yard more than Tua's. That's. I don't know if it's I, I can't I, I can't tell for sure if it's uh, average per completion or average per uh, or average per pass. No, per pass attempt. His average per pass attempt is a full yard wow. more than Tua's. Wow. Which uh, Tua at number two. Um, and then so and then, you know, another, you know, since I say it's going to be a quarterback and it could be a quarterback that catches fire. I've said, I you know, I think there's a good chance that CJ Stroud hits the rookie wall. Man. <laughs> It'd be hard to leave him out of the conversation. Twenty touchdowns, five interceptions, and he's actually third in average per attempt. Now, yards is a, and he leads the NFL right now in yards. Yards is a little bit of an overrated stat um, sometimes, right? But uh, I don't know. Like, has Stroud really not? Has he not looked the part of an MVP candidate? You know, uh, completion percentage is a little low at sixty three point four for today's NFL. You got how many guys over seventy? We have four guys over seventy percent right now. But wow. Um, oh, excuse me. Jake Browning's one of them. He doesn't count. But uh, so three guys over seventy percent, though, and that so that's that's Dak, that's Tua, and that's Brock Purdy. Um, I just think it's going to be a quarterback in the end. Um, it probably will be. But that being said, I'll I be hope, rooting for you, Tyreek. Yeah, I, I hope I'm wrong. And honestly, I'd even root for Tyreek to to get the MVP. Um, but I just I don't think it's going to happen. Um, you know, maybe he would be the the regular season MVP. But I'm still telling you. Um, it's not going to happen in the playoffs. Not even saying the Dolphins won't win. It's just it won't be Tyreek Hill putting up 150 every game. 
All right. Uh, well, we just kind of talked about statistical inflation a little bit. So all of that aside, um, you know, Bucks receiver Mike Evans just uh, achieved something pretty incredible and did it fairly quietly. Um, it's only him and the goat of receivers, uh, and I will I'll go to the grave believing this. Uh, Jerry Rice. It's only it's it's just those two that have ten consecutive thousand yard seasons. So means a little bit more when Jerry Rice did it, uh, given yeah, the yeah. given the era that he played in. But Mike Evans, man. Um, I mean, he's just kind of my style of receiver. Um, he's an asshole. He beats up corners. Um, you know, he's kind of a tight end body play. You know, with wide receiver athleticism. Um, where's he rank? You know, I mean, you're the you're the receiver guy. You know better than I do. Um, but yeah, where where's he rank on your wide receiver list like all time? Probably somewhere in like the eleven to twenty range. Probably closer to the like like in the middle of that, like fifteen ish. Definitely not top ten, but definitely a guy that's. Uh, you know, getting some love this week because of this stat and how impressive it is, but has been underrated really since he he came into the league. Um, it's way more impressive when you take a look at the quarterbacks that he he's done it with. And uh, I think, you know, like DeAndre Hopkins has been my favorite receiver uh, in the league and partially because of who D-Hop was successful with, right? Like he had a plethora of quarterbacks in Houston uh, and then obviously... Arizona and now Tennessee, but you're not a wait. Was it, was it Matt Schaub and do you have Matt Schaub and Matt Schaub, Ryan Mallett? He had he had the Ryan whole, Mallett. Oh man, rest in peace. Yeah, yeah, rest in peace. Um, yeah, damn, I forgot about that. Uh, but yeah, let's go to Mike Evans' quarterbacks for a minute. Right, let me just list them off for you: Mike Glennon, Josh McCowan, Jameis Winston, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Blaine Gabbert, and obviously Tom Brady <laughs> and Baker Mayfield. And um, I think we're both. Uh, you know, you were really singing Baker's praises, and I'm I'm a Baker guy too, and I think it's a right fit with him. Um, I think I was saying that early in the year, before the season, maybe that kind of that rollout guy, kind of like uh, can recreate some of the stuff that he did at Texas A&M with Johnny. Um, but he's he, where no one's going to mistake him for elite. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And then you know, sorry, Mike Glennon, Josh McCowan, uh, Blaine Gabbert, and mostly Ryan Fitzpatrick and mostly Jameis Winston, but Oh no, a hundred percent Jameis Winston. He's a clown. He's a bum. I mean he had some he had some No no he 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 would uh be good for a, a Mike Evans uh stats. You know, stats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh absolutely not winning. Not but, winning. No, but yeah, he sucks. <laughs> so that's that's all I'm saying. And uh, you know, just he's in that piece of shit category for me. So that's so, so. uh thank you, Tom Brady, I guess, for going to Tampa Bay. Kinda <laughs> weird for, you know, somebody that's a lifelong New England fan to say, but um Mike Evans needed you. So I'm I'm glad he got you for a few years and, and got that Super Bowl. I mean, for me, like first thing I think of with Mike Evans is like just the fights with Marcus Lattimore. Yeah, so, like, that'll be the first saying. thing I think of. Yeah, it's it's and, even more impressive considering he misses at least like three quarters of at least one game because he gets you know ejected from a Saints <laughs> game every year. Yeah, I mean, I I uh, I used to be like kind of I don't want to say anti Mike Evans, but, but man, it's so stupid. You know, he gets those. But dude, he blocks. He like like he takes pleasure in beating up corners. So I mean, that's. You know, that's my kind of guy. You know what I mean? Like, sure. you, obviously, you got to re- you got to rein in the penalties. And when you have a Tom Brady at quarterback, you do that because he didn't. Uh, he kind of kept his cool for the most part. He got a couple of dumb ones when Brady was there, but not. You know, not he wasn't too bad. So, uh, yeah, just shout out Mike Evans. You know, like uh, you know, 
that that is a hell of an accomplishment. That you know, ten thousand yard seasons in a row. He's got the ring. Uh, I mean, he's got to be a Hall of Famer. So um, you would think, yeah. Um. So yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, I don't know anything about the, the you. You put this note, uh, but uh, I assume five star recruit Jordan Seaton commits yeah. to Colorado. Yep, top offensive tackle for twenty twenty four. So it's immediate, um, kind of you know, help on the line there. And uh, yeah, he went on undisputed, I believe, and said uh, you know, kind of pitched other other guys to come come to Colorado. He said, you claim you're a dog. Why are you not coming to Colorado? Why are you not helping somebody who looks like you? Um, so, you know, we've talked all year long about can Dion get line help? You know, will people come? Top offensive tackle. Yeah, I mean, he had some decommits, but... That's what I was just going to say. We know what a commit means right now. But, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. This well, guy sounds like he's singing Dion's... He, he, he's buying into Dion, maybe. Yeah, Florida, Florida guy. I don't know. It would be interesting. I'd like to do a deep dive on like uh, how many how many guys he gets from Florida. And I was on the website actually, twenty four seven recruit, I think. And it, uh, I noticed it tells you who like recruited them, not schools, but the actual like uh, like personnel for the football team. And Alabama, you know, it it has some like Alabama recruited this guy. Everyone recruited this guy because he's the top offensive tackle. But it, you know, a bunch of names you don't recognize. And then. Uh, Interestingly enough, for Colorado, it says Deion Sanders is the one that recruited him. So um, maybe a little bit more of a personal touch than than other um, mm. you know programs across the country. But uh, if you can get another couple linemen, uh, you know, kind of cool down on these decommits a little bit. Uh, yeah. well, like I said, I think I think the decommits that we talked about were kind of three stars. So I don't think he's really necessarily losing sleep. Maybe four. There was, I, I think it was one four and two threes. Yeah, the, so like, not great, but I don't think you're necessarily losing sleep over those guys at the same time. I think. I mean, it it's was, not nothing, and uh, you know, it is perception and everything like that. But that being said, um, I don't even remember the kid's name, but the left tackle at Colorado was definitely a position they needed an upgrade at. So, um, so yeah, we'll see, man. You know, and, and and this this is something you know, like again, you know, it's perception wars, right? And so. For him to come out after the decommits and and say this, right? It's uh, yeah, and, and I mean, uh, yeah, Jordan Seaton. He also said he's like, yeah, I'm going to be playing with two Heisman hopefuls. You know, I'm going to be playing, and it's true. It's just like, why wouldn't you want to play there? Yeah, I mean, hell, man, the, the running back. You know, if they if they kind of use him, yeah, um, he was a freshman. Yeah, that's right. true. So true the, freshman. Um, I think Colorado is going to be fine. You know, I I. Uh, Again, I think Dion's smart enough to, you know, delegate the things that he doesn't know as much, and I think I, I think he will continue to keep learning the game wherever he needs to. Um, but I don't think he's dumb, you know. I, I think, yeah, uh, he he knows he knows where the, a lot of the weaknesses of his team were, and I and I think he he probably you know has self reflected, you know. I think I think he you know reflects on himself a little bit too, and he knows. He knows he made some mistakes this year, and uh, I don't know. I think I think Colorado is going to be solid. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying like national champ. Uh, I'm not off the bandwagon. That's basically all yeah, I'm yeah. saying. Um, Let's I, get Colorado to a bowl. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, it, yeah, it's very disappointing the way it ended. You know what I mean? Very disappointing because it, it was fun. It was fun. You know it was what I mean? Very and fun. I I can't wait to watch the uh, the uh, doc docu docu series. I guess is probably what you call it because uh, I think it's going to be on Amazon Prime. Um, I didn't know there was one coming out. Yeah, that's why they had all the handles and you know they're they're recording everything. So, gotcha. 
All right. Well, let's. Uh, okay. Quick, quick NBA moment. We got uh, we got some NBA highlights on right now too. But uh, yeah, you had, uh, you just had some thoughts on the Pacers. Yeah, still not playing defense. Uh, they have they've allowed. I think their season low in points allowed in a game is 111, which is crazy. That's not a small sample size. We're 19 games in at this point. We're a quarter of the way through the year, and uh, still not playing defense. But they're still winning in season tournament games. We're, we're looking at Halliburton. Uh, Dame time in it right now after a step back three uh, to beat Milwaukee. Um, fun, fun young team. I mean, just good for them, right? Uh, was was that 139, 119? So yeah, uh, they got to score 120 to win, and uh, they've been they've been doing that lately. Um, I mean, in season tournament, it's just uh, you know it matters. These games matter, and and like I said about the Pacers earlier, like a lot of young guys, like this is a team that could actually, um, I, I didn't think they would beat the Bucks. I didn't think they would beat the Celtics, but uh, I think $500,000 per player goes a lot further for, for guys on their roster than it would for the Celtics or the Bucks. So I, you know, I love to see it and they're going to play the Lakers. Um, so it's kind of that like superstar versus young team. Like, let's see if they can go through the gauntlet, like uh, Tatum, you know, Giannis and, and Lillard and, and now LeBron and AD, like that would be a hell of a, a thing to put on your resume to go through all those. I'm, uh, I don't know. I'm having a hard time getting excited about it because my criticism when, when we first heard about the in-season tournament was, you know, you just said, well, these games matter. And for me, I'm not really convinced. Like my criticism that I'm not sure these games matter hasn't really gone away to me yet because the Pacers aren't really um, a championship threat out of the East. And the Lakers aren't a champ- really a champ. I mean, I guess if you have LeBron and AD and they're at their best and some things happen, but they're not really a legitimate championship threat in the West. And those are the two teams that made the in-season championship. Um, I just wonder how, you know, how many players are actually taking this seriously. Now, there is some value to it because you're seeing some young players – in quote unquote high leverage situations, I to me, I just feel like I've kind of been force fed this thing that it's not really that important to me. I'm not that I'm not convinced it's that important to the players. Um, maybe it's just weird and new, and it'll get better with time. Maybe it'll be it'll start to become a a bit of a tradition. Maybe I'm resistant to it because it feels more like soccer with the weird so, in season tournaments. I don't know. So I can um, tell you that the Bucks treated it like it mattered tonight uh all of their starters or not all of their starters Giannis played over 40 minutes Dame played over 40 minutes Brooke Lopez teetered on 40 minutes they cut their rotation down to essentially eight um I think like 10 got in but one uh their rookie Aaron Jackson Jr. got in for like a minute and then another guy played like four so they cut their rotation down which isn't what you do in the regular season that's that's, a, that's only fair. something you do in the postseason yep Chris Middleton played 30 which I was kind of surprised about I haven't watched a lot of bucks so I don't know if he's playing lower minutes or or what the case is but they they played serious minutes tonight and and the Pacers just got it done so um the the bucks care I can I can tell you that the Pacers obviously care um I, I know that they're young and and whatnot but I mean, the Lakers, I don't know what to make of the Lakers. I, I obviously want the, as a Celtics fan, right, I, I want the Pacers to win. Um, but 
Actually, yeah, to answer your question, Middleton's uh, way down on minutes, 21.1 a game. Yeah, so so 30 is a lot for him, yeah. clearly, yep. for this year. So that that's probably a season high, just hearing that average. So, yeah, I mean, the Bucks, the Bucks wanted it, and uh, the Pacers got it, which I don't understand. They're not playing defense, but their offense is, is good enough, I guess. Well, I, I suppose I could look this up, too, but, like um, – you know, is it also you know are the are the Pacers more a high paced team or is it just oh, more yeah, possessions? Very, yeah, they're because they could still be a defensive defensively efficient team, right? Like, uh, I don't know, like like I, like I said, I kind of like Sacramento, you know, pushing the pace. You're going to give up more points when you push the pace, but are you are you winning more position possessions than you're losing? You know what I mean? So that's I mean that's defensive efficiency, right? Like, so. yeah, yeah, I think both of those teams just off the top of my head have guys that just are known for not playing defense. Um, and they have, they have some guys that do play defense. I mean, Miles Turner's, you know, he gets blocks and, you know, he gets steals as well, but, uh, Halliburton's a decent defender, but then you got guys like in the rotation, like Buddy Heald doesn't play defense. Malik Monk doesn't play defense for, for Sacramento. Um, you know, there's a balance, but definitely, uh, you know, a little more focus on the offensive side of the side of the ball yeah mike tomlin looks old he's got some bags under his eyes i mean he just lost to the two and excuse me three and three and ten patriots i'm sorry i'm really sorry bailey zappy looks like he uh is 14 um hang on i'm trying to look up defensive efficiency just to is that actually a uh now that might be a more advanced stat huh yeah, what do you want right now? I'm just on, I'm just on NBA team stats. Oh, so okay. yeah, you're right. Um, D no, yeah, no, that's points per game. So the Pacers are actually by a long shot lead the league in points per game. Yeah, well um, they have to because yeah, they, yeah, um, yeah. I mean they had that 157 point game against the Hawks. I think they had another 140 something point game not not too long ago either. This this game was. Um, highest total ever uh for nba i believe 257 but it, it didn't didn't reach it now these uh you know for everybody if you're listening for the first time i really i'm i'm, I'm learning nba we're, we're you know the training wheels are still on as far as being an nba analyst for me um so the uh the play or, or once you get to the knockout games those ones don't count in your regular season record because because not everybody plays them so how could they right it's like the one the the, the yeah. qualifier games counting your regular season right, record, right? But once it was the quarterfinals, those didn't. I'm count, actually right? not 100 percent sure on that. Um, How could they though? Yeah, if everybody doesn't play them, right? I, I don't know if it would go win percentage at that point or versus. I'm I'm not sure. No, they're not going to have them play extra games. That would be a CBA nightmare. No, they yeah, you can play 83 games. How? What? No, with the in season tournament. Yeah, I do know that that's a thing. No, I know they can play extra games, but what? Oh, oh, well, okay, okay yeah. Okay. So I guess it wouldn't be a CBA nightmare because um, they already worked it out. But it can't be. It can't be part of your record. That wouldn't make any sense. It might not be. I'm not. I'm not sure. I I, I believe the championship game isn't. Because think about it, that doesn't make any sense. Like, let's say you make the in season tournament quarterfinals and you lose that game, right? And then you miss a playoff spot by you know by half a game, like. like that doesn't make any sense, right? right? I gotcha. I gotcha. I don't know. I'll I, have to look into it. I, sure. I guess this is my other problem with it, and this is something that might not be as fair of a criticism. Is like 
most people just don't understand it. Yeah. I mean, this is why you and I bash on soccer all the time. It's like, what the fuck is going on? We just don't know. Right. right? It's kind like, of like, uh, yeah, that's true. And, it, you know, new things take time to learn and adapt to. Like the, you know, the playing tournament had some uh, apprehension at first. And I've I've grown to like it. I think it, you know, uh, promotes competition and you know if a team is getting hot at the end yeah i mean let them in even if they're not the eight seed again you know it's 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 younger guys um playing in in maybe higher leverage situations kind of maybe gets them a little battle tested for the for later on yeah right like maybe they become a rotation piece Um, in the playoffs right joe Joe mazula kind of spoke you know to that i mean again like i guess what i say like sometimes it seems like lip service joe mazula's interview after the quarterfinal game against um Pacers. They lost the Pacers. No, no, no. His. Uh, oh, sorry. To get into the playoff. Oh, yeah. They they had to get into the play-in tournament by by. Oh yeah. Bulls, blowing Bulls. out um, the Bulls. Yeah. The Bulls. Yeah. And um, I don't know. Like he he wanted to be in the play on play-in tournament. He sounded like he did, wanted to do well. And and he he said some things that you know were kind of out of character for him because he's usually pretty pro player. And he was kind of like, no, like my guys need to play their ass off in this play-in tournament. So again. Could, is it lost. lip service? Is it being? Is it being a company man to say those things? Maybe you know. I I'm certainly I'm certainly not 100 percent convinced that it wasn't. But you know, it, saying the right things and like you said, giving guys the minutes, right? So that that factors in too. Um, all right. Again, no real good segue for this, but just got to talk about it. Army Navy game coming up, and. Uh, you know, so, like this is this is one of those things where it's like, yeah, it's not always just about the national championship. It's not always just about, uh, well, you know, it's about wins and losses. But uh, there's something, you know, there's just something about the uh, the service academies playing against each other. Um, these are all guys, you know, they're usually smaller, you know, but you know, but with scheme, you know, running and obviously, you know, just being a guy that loves the running game and uh, and getting things done with smaller offensive linemen, figuring out a way, you know, you scheme your way to it. It's just, it, it's, uh, it's a different kind of football, you know? And, uh, and these games are always fun because there's just, just the energy, um, so much tradition around it. Wait, it sorry. Where, where is it? Is it in Philly this year? It's, it used to always be in Philly. Oh, it's, yeah, it's right. It's in Foxborough this yeah, year. Yeah, Gillette. Um, and you w- were going to go, but now. Yeah, I, I uh, underestimated it on the on the ticket price ah, that sucks um i was figuring they'd be like 150 200 to get in it's like five six jesus yeah um so yeah um but it is like you can just tell watching the games you know the atmosphere the you know the military tradition and everything like that and uh so you know another fun fact um you know because it's always about me right but uh, i played at norwich university which you know so for those of you that aren't from vermont it's a it's it's a very weird campus because it's half uh, half military and half civilian, and I went on the civilian side. And it's like this podcast. Uh, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'm a total military guy. But uh, so anyway, um, so I yeah, I went on the civilian side, and I laughed at all the guys getting hazed, and um, and then. But sure enough, you know, a few years later, I was probably saluting a few of them. So because they were they were officers, and I was the idiot that went enlisted a, a year later. Um, so, uh, but playing football at Norwich was, you know, a unique experience and it was also unique because I have no idea why Pierre Garcon was there, but he was, 
Um, I don't know what happened. He played football in West Palm Beach. Um, so I'm not going to speculate. I, I, like, I have no idea if this is the case with Pierre. Um, like, I don't know if he got in some sort of trouble just doing you know a dumb thing as a kid or something like that. Um, I do know another guy at, uh, at Norwich where that was the case. He had a full ride to Florida State. And then, yeah, and so I was playing with that guy. Actually, behind him on the depth chart, by the way. So I guess if you looked it up, you could figure out who it was. But um, he was a stud and a very good football player. So I, like, we had some sort of Florida and Texas pipeline, probably, again, because of the military school thing, even though these guys both came um, civilian side also. Um, but, yeah, Pierre Garçon, man. Our quarterback was not a stud by any means, and uh, Pierre put up, like, 1,600 yards that year. <laughs> We beat the number 23, I think, at the time. Actually, I mentioned St. John Fisher earlier, and they were ranked. They were nationally ranked D3, uh, and I think they were 22 or 23 or something like that. And uh, during that game, uh, Pierre scored like you know, like just a 60-yard bomb, got behind the coverage. Um, nobody could cover him. And then he does – I think I asked you this before. Do you remember the mile-high salute? Um, you know, when the, when the Broncos would score and then like Shannon, yes. Shannon yeah, yeah, yeah. Sharp, Terrell Davis, they would salute the crowd. So he did that, but the, cause all the cadets are in the end zone and they got to do pushups every time, you know, a, a touchdown. So basically it was like the army Navy game, you know, but a lighter version, you know what I mean? Actually we, you know, we had coast guard, Nor Norwich versus coast guard. So we had kind of like a military, you know, against military game too. Um, I think there was mass maritime. We we like we we play also, but anyway, point being, Pierre does the does the salute to the cadets after he scores the touchdown, and because college football is stupid, we got a penalty for it. But um, <laughs> it, was just, it was like the most baller move I've ever seen in a D three football game. Um, and then I didn't play at Norwich the next year, and then uh, neither did Pierre because he transferred out to Mount Union, um, which was the best D three program in the country, still one of the best. Actually, uh, Nick Sirianni played there. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, so Pierre Garcon, if you're out there, I, if, you should come on the show or something. I doubt you remember toasting me. Um, you know, I was just some loser on scout team. But, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, if you're out there, you should come on because that would be cool. Um, and uh, I don't know. That's my tie-in to the Army-Navy game. Uh, I'll definitely watch it. You know, some people, like – you know, you know, you asked me before, you know, like, uh, you know, do I care who wins? Not really. You know, like it's, um, I, I think only people that went to, you know, one of the academies care, actually care unless they have a rooted interest in just the team itself. Um, but I just want to watch the game. I mean, I'm like that with a lot of games these days. I just, I just kind of want to watch the game, you know? Yeah. But, um, interesting. We, we talk about bowls, you know, we, we gave every game a bowl. This is, you know, essentially a bowl game. Army hasn't played in three weeks which is pretty crazy. Navy hasn't played in two. So they've, they've, you know, they have time to, you know, scout for each other and they play every year. They, they know what to expect. Um, fun fact, you gave me one earlier. Let me give you one back. Uh, the under is 44 and nine in the last 53 meetings between service academies. Current, <laughs> the current line is 32 and a half points. So do with that what you may. You got to be, you got to be a real football fan to enjoy this stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's a different breed of football, it's, and it's awesome. It's not for the faint of heart. But don't tell betting lines to that CB, CBNC, or CNBC, excuse me, <laughs> analyst. Uh, she doesn't want to know about it. Uh, she, for, for those of you who are wondering what I'm talking about, uh, CNBC was talking about uh, the DraftKings stock earlier. 
And this woman just went on a... Was this uh, like on Fox Business or something? Oh, or CNBC yeah, Business? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she just went on um, a rant about how uh, sports gambling is, is ruining the, the sex lives and dating lives of young men in this country. And she just, <laughs> she just threw out the stat, just like shamelessly, uh, 30% of young men have ha- not had sex in the last year. And she, she blamed it on, uh, you know, over and un- over unders and, and parlays. And, you know, I mean, honestly, I think she might have a point. I like, look, I, I was a teacher, right? And I just like, I'm not going to like tell you that I had game in high school or anything like that. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you I have game right now. I, I'm just saying like, but you got sell, a wife. You don't so, need game. Really. No, no, right. But well, you still need game with your wife if you're if you're taking your marriage seriously. But you know, like you know, I don't know if you care about romance and such things. Um, I don't know. I guess you'd have to ask her. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're right. You don't have game. Go on. So exactly. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't know. Like I said, the the confidence is a fairly new thing to me, actually. So uh, anyway, so. Being a teacher, though, like you just look around at all these kids and like they don't even fucking know how to like, like at least like in when I was in high school and and probably to a certain extent when you were in high school, you would at least still try to talk to girls. And now like, you know, or I shouldn't just say girls, but try to talk to anybody that you were interested in. And now like the texting, it's like you can't have a real conversation. And then like and the case that the lady that on CNBC was saying, she was saying it's like. Well, it's it's gaming. It's the, the you know the, these young men have like they live on their cell phones now, and then sports betting. You know, it, it's this it's this uh, feedback loop, right? You know, adrenaline and all that stuff. You get addicted to it, right? And um, there was another one she threw out there. She said like sixty three. What was it? Sixty seven percent of like young males are single, and fifty percent have no like no interest in no dating. Interest not even in she dating. said she said no not, interest in not dating even not even casually, casually right that, that one was crazy that was shocking to me yeah and um, those are kind of like more i don't know the 30 percent haven't had sex in the last year just seems like such well a, that's that's the that's the funniest yeah stat, right but yeah. like um and again like hard to believe right i, I don't know i yeah, mean where are you getting these numbers i do wonder like what yeah like where what it, what survey is this can we see the opposite side too? I need I need data points. Is it? Oh, you, well, you mean women? Like yeah. how many women haven't had sex? And uh, yeah, these or young, this was young women, right? Yeah. So, um, I don't know, man. I feel like these days, like the young women are out working, or you know, I'm not young, but whatever, you know, like I feel like you know the consensus, like young women are out working the young men, from what I've seen, so lately, you know. <laughs> So we go. So we go from sex. So okay. So we're doing. Uh, we're moving on to holidays and history. Uh, you guys know the deal. We celebrate every day. Um, happy Hanukkah, by the way. Actually, yeah. we're we're an hour and thirty seven minutes past uh, day Hanukkah. one. Yeah. But happy Hanukkah, everybody. And uh, so anyway, so we go from sex to National Take It in the Ear Day, and uh, <laughs> even uh, National Today, our source for the all these holidays. Is uh is not really clear on the they origin. Have no clue. Neither um, do we. Uh, they usually at least have a little bit of an idea and give us a give you a little bit of a history. On this one, they say no one is sure where the day originated or how it's supposed to be celebrated. There's a lot about whether the day has an origin at all. Uh, 
or there, uh, there's not a lot about whether they, yeah. There's a lot uh, of doubt, yeah. A yeah. lot of doubt, sorry. Um, or whether it's okay, it was, reading's hard. Yeah, it really is. Uh, it, or whether uh, simply was made up by someone who was having a bad day and decided to do something silly for themselves. There was also well, a... I respect this holiday the most out of anyone that we've ever done, just based on really? that description. Yeah, uh, just like you do you, right? Yeah, um, just like, hey, you want to do a holiday? Yeah, here you go. Uh, I mean, uh, take it in the year makes me think of, uh, it was like... It was like do it in the year in uh in Family Guy. Do you remember that episode? No, it no. wasn't really Family Guy's heyday, so uh, it's fine because Family Guy really wasn't good past season three. But but when it was good, it was good, you know. Oh, uh, so so it was later. You're saying it was later than okay. that. Yeah, yeah. 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 I was but it was say, like, like Meg. The- Meg it, like didn't want to lose her, you know, actual virginity, so she and her boyfriend were doing it in the year. I oh, guess. Oh, okay. I think I've um, yeah. And so that's what that makes me think of. But that also like the so National Today said it had something to do with Liar Liar, and my sister and I quote that movie all the time. This was a staple in our childhood, and I don't remember that line. I don't remember that line. Like, and I mean, you know me. I'm like, I'm a pain in the ass with movie lines. I say, I say shit to you all the time and get blank stares, so it's weird that I don't remember that line. Um, yeah, it's fishy. It's like, like, well, you, you've heard of the Mandela effect, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so maybe it's one of those things. Um, Bernstein the, Bears. Uh, Bernstein, dude, the weirdest one is that fucking, uh, I mean, you know who Sinbad is, right? No. Um, so he was like uh old comedian. Okay, um, yeah, yeah. like um and uh he was actually in that that movie Necessary Roughness. Dude. Okay. Um yeah. yeah. And uh yeah, dude, I, like half of people swear that there was a movie where he was a genie called Shazam. And then half of people and then like but you look it up and it didn't exist. And so it's like Wow. What the fuck is going on? I don't know. Um but yeah, Bernstein Bears is a good one. Um Certain logos, like yeah. like this Kit Kat, have a have a dash in it, and like um, uh, the spelling of certain uh, brands. Yeah, I, I'm I'm drawing blanks. There's right defi- now, there's definitely some good ones, but there's just these things that people remember. Obviously, Mandela being one. Like everybody thought Mandela died in the early '90s. He didn't really die till okay. I don't remember when he died, but it was a lot later than that. Um, or maybe some people thought Mandela died in prison or something, but obviously. He didn't. I don't remember. I don't remember why actually why the Mandela effect got that name. But uh, just a lot of those things where like half of people remember. Oh, the monocle and the Monopoly man. Does he or does he not have a monocle? He doesn't because that's the planner's peanuts guy. Right. Oh, I think that's what it is. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know about Pikachu. What about Pikachu? Does Pikachu or does Pikachu not have a black on the end of his tail he does i don't know oh so this website's just like it's just some people photos, say yes yeah. some people say no well, i don't know it's just photos so i i, ah, I can't yeah. i think oh uh, i was right about okay kit kat there it is yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah all right just wild all right but all right man we we, we need an assistant hey jamie pull that up <laughs> jamie <sighs> if you're if you're tired of working with uh a different podcaster hit us up can we offer you competitive pay no no <laughs> can we offer you better hours no can we offer you vibes yes <laughs> uh, all right uh okay uh also december 8th is pretend to be a time traveler day so um i don't know i'd like to travel back in time and you know start this show earlier because it's well into december 8th now um that's a good plan yeah, uh, yeah right um Time travel is a fun 
concept, but like you just like come up with all the reasons that it doesn't make any sense because well, that's how the Mandela effect's a real thing because somebody time traveled and screwed everything up. <laughs> just one person. But dude, you know how dumb people are and how much they run their mouth. Like somebody that could travel in time, because like think about it, right? Unless unless this is proof that the Earth is going to end soon, right? Because let's say like only a, a a small number of people have been capable of time travel, but you know that like if it becomes like idiocracy in the year twenty five twenty or whatever it was in that movie, right? Mm. And everyone's a dumbass, but for some reason time travels possibility. It wasn't in that movie, but um, well, fuck. Have you seen that movie? No. Oh god damn it. That's like the best movie ever. I played along for a minute though. Um, yeah, you, yeah, you sold me on that one. But the if you have seen Idiocracy, everyone's a dumbass, and it's only five hundred years in the future. And so, like, if your average dumbass can travel back in time, they're not going to be able to keep that secret. Yeah, you know. What yeah, I mean? I mean, if there's a select few, I could, I could keep it a secret if I was a time traveler. Pretty quiet guy. <sighs> Here's the thing, though. Like, I mean, there's you know how well we would prep <laughs> for this podcast if I was a time traveler. Well, you wouldn't come on, man. You wouldn't have a podcast if you're a time traveler. You'd you'd just be you'd be in Vegas just betting on every game with us. You'd have a, a sports almanac like from uh, Back yeah. to the Future. Yeah, that is true. So, I mean, think of all the things that you would do differently if you could time travel. If I could turn back time, um, wow. What would is there something you would do differently if you could turn back time from like from today? That's too deep, man. Fair enough. That's my homework. I'll let you know next episode. I think I'd I think I'd go back and become that NFL backup NFL lineman, like I told you. If I if I knew then what I know now. Okay. I respect that. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. Should I be thinking bigger? Like should I like No, no. Backup NFL offensive lineman, how much bigger can you get? I don't know. I you know, go back and kill Osama bin Laden before nine eleven. Yeah, but but, but but then you but, wouldn't be protecting the scout team QB. So, like, what <laughs> what are you really doing with your life? Right. And plus, if I kill Osama bin Laden, like maybe something worse happens. Who knows? You, like, there's butterfly effect, right? So yeah. No, there's a real, real thing. There's a reason that time travel is not to be taken lightly. Um. Anyway. Uh, or we could go back and watch the Bears over the Redskins in 1940, 73 to nothing, biggest ass kicking in NFL history. We talked about the biggest ass kicking in college football history, but there were extenuating circumstances, and they just like found a bunch of hobos from Chattanooga University for Georgia Tech to play. Um, in this case, this was professionals against professionals, and uh, and also a nine and two Redskins team. Yeah, like not bad. Like that was the playoffs. That was yeah. So. The Bears, um, you got to go back a little while, but the Bears were a wagon. Obviously, they were a wagon in uh, 85 as well. Um, all right, moving on to December 9th. It is Christmas card day. This is uh, this is not something I partake in. You? No, like uh, you would – I don't even know if my family really got Christmas cards, but um, growing up, you see like other families sending Christmas cards and you know receiving some. You're like, wow, these – they have their shit together. Look at them. You know, it's kind of it's kind of like making your bed. It's just like I don't make my bed, but like when I, I do, I feel like I I have my shit together. I was gonna say it's like Facebook before Facebook, because everybody yeah, put, like that's a that's a more yeah, because everybody puts like this uh, facade of a life on social media, right? Um, but you know, nobody's life is that perfect, right? 
but it makes us all feel bad. We're like, look how perfect their life is, you know. So that's true. Um, yeah, but 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 people didn't argue by a Christmas card with, especially with strangers. <laughs> so social media is just like, I, if you if you if you ask me to give like a list of the downfall of society, like social media would be pretty high on it. Actually, I aspire to be a Christmas card giving person at some point in my life. I'm just not there yet. <laughs> so, so you want to present the facade of, of a, of a habit or are you saying you want the Christmas card to be your reality? Like you, like you don't yeah, want no, to- I want it to be my reality. I'm not, I'm not going to try to present this false narrative about who Michael Mawson is. Yeah. But you, you, you don't want to bullshit. Like you, you want to be on the yacht in the Caribbean for Christmas. You know, I don't the even week have to be the- that. I just <laughs> like, you know, me and my dog and you know, my significant other and here you go, everybody that Fair I enough. care about. Fair enough. Okay. Don't have my shit together enough for that though. Right now. <laughs> Work in progress. I mean, you're doing okay. I mean, like, yeah, look, I'm in this Bennington so, high rise apartment. Like so, exactly. Said, right? Dude, the Christmas tree is beautiful. It's, you know, like, it's, it's not tall, but it's, you know, it, you're fine. I'm tall, so it makes up for it. <laughs> um, nah, all right. Uh, also, December 9th, 1934, another football game. This is the sneakers game. This is not one. Were you familiar with this? Never before? heard of this. So, this is interesting. The more you so know. The, um, um, wait, where did it go? I clicked on the link and it didn't pop up. Oh, no. Uh, second half of... There, there it is. Yeah, so, okay, sorry. So Polo Grounds? Uh, yeah, so the Giants, and uh, I kind of guessed even before. I was like, uh, why, why did they have sneakers on? Uh, but, yeah, so, and you could probably guess, too. Uh, so it was at the, um, yeah, at the Polo Grounds. It was nine degrees out, so the field was basically a sheet of ice. And uh, the Giants uh, opened the second half wearing basketball shoes. And according to Wellington Mara, um, he he said in an NFL Films uh, production later on, it was a Sunday and you couldn't find a sporting goods store open in the whole city. So he said they sent a tailor named Abe Cohen to basically break into a locker room at Manhattan College and steal some sneakers. Um, not sure... Um, not sure where it went from there, but a funny story. And so, yeah, and the Giants ended up winning the game. So. so if I could time travel, I would go back and be Abe Cohen and and just feel what he was feeling in that in that moment. <laughs> or I mean, or you, like I don't know, or like no, just, I, I wouldn't back. have prepared with that. I wouldn't have brought basketball shoes. That I would have wanted to experience that journey of getting in a cab and breaking <laughs> into a local college. <sighs> Helping the team out. Yeah, I mean, if you're just going back for experiences, right? Like, yeah, I I guess like stuff like that, right? Like, just to be there, just to be there to witness it, and then you, and then that way you don't actually fuck up what happened, right? You're not trying to change anything. You just like, I just want to be there to see it, right? Like, I want to, I want to go back and like, okay, did the dinosaurs really have feathers? Like, what you know, like that's what they say, right? And I mean, that'd be cool. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I got. Um, you know, it's a dangerous game, but you know, go back and check that out. I don't know. Um. All right. Uh, oh yeah, December ninth, uh, nineteen eighty-three. Neither one of us have seen this movie, so we're terrible. Actually, I hadn't seen Godfather till a few years ago myself. But Scarface opened in nineteen eighty-three. Um. So just a fun fact for you guys out there, because uh, Mawson and I suck and we haven't seen it. Nope. Um. All right. December tenth is National Dewey Decimal System Day. Uh, have you ever used this? Or I mean, you must have been able to use computers your whole life to find we, books. We learned about it like early on, but yeah, uh, computers have been about fourth grade on, kind of been my yeah. So not really, but it's just a great name, Dewey Decimal System. 
Yeah, yeah no, it just rolls right off the top. Um, and the Dewey Decimal System is uh, an excellent system, and I actually do remember using it. It was like part of the curriculum, you know, back in my day. Uh, so 2000. Uh, if if you're a listener or if you just know me, um, movies that are pieces of shit that don't know they're pieces of shit are a guilty pleasure of mine. So that brings us to 2009, the opening of Avatar uh, and its world premiere. Hey, guys, I'm sorry. This is not a good movie, especially proportionate to how much they spent on it. It was like $230 million budget. What the fuck are we doing here? Like, if anybody has seen Dances with Wolves, then you've seen Avatar. You don't, <laughs> you don't, need, to, you don't need to watch Avatar. And, uh, yeah, so James Cameron just basically ripped that one off. Um, Tori, not the last airbender. Said, Noted. Dude, literally, like, I'm trying to think. Like, I don't think he's actually made a good movie other than uh, Terminator. Like, like not one that I was really into. Titanic sucks. Terrible movie. Another I'm another one that with you an, another one that I love to laugh at. I like, like Titanic. Um, I like when the guy hits the propeller. Like that part's hilarious. Um, other than that, it's pretty bad. Like, dude, like what the fuck? Like, dude, really? Like, she. She has a jewel that could feed the entire fucking continent of Africa, and she throws it in the fucking ocean. Fuck that bitch. And she gets to live a long life. And, oh, yeah. And by the way, she had a loving husband that she, you know, lived, you know, had these all these children and this life with for 50, 60, whatever fucking years because she's like 98 years old. But she's meeting Jack in heaven. The fuck is this? So, you know, you know what? Fuck her on multiple levels. Fair enough. Like that guy, the guy spent his, the the guy on the ship spent his entire life looking for this jewel, and this bitch has it, and like, and yeah, even if he wanted it for greedy purposes, like it was his whole like life purpose. And you throw it in the ocean, it's not like it meant anything to her. Her douchebag boyfriend gave it to her. So fuck that movie, stupid movie, stupid fucking movie. Made you feel something. Like. <laughs> I mean, now, like I said, it just makes me laugh because it's a piece of shit that they, everybody thought was good. Like, I really enjoy movies like that. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, you know what? I'm going to lead with this on December 11th so we can end on a high note. <laughs> so uh, so uh, Bernie Madoff might be a name that's familiar to a lot of you. Um, the man with the Ponzi scheme at some point, um, I, I think, was... Uh, raking in and somewhere around $65 billion or he was valued at $65 billion. Obviously the whole thing was a scam where he was taking in new money from investors and paying the old investors. And, um, and it was all a fraud. And so on December 10th in, uh, Oh shit. What year, what year was, <laughs> hang on, I'll find it. Very professional. 2008. Yeah. yeah. So uh, December 10th, 2008, he confided in his brother and his two sons who were um, apparently legit. Uh, so so history.com says they were running the legit arm of his business. And so they turned him in the next day, December. <laughs> his sons uh, went to the feds and turned him in. Who knows if that was their whole plan? I don't know. Maybe Bernie Madoff fell on his sword. Who fucking knows? Doesn't really seem like the type based on what you read, but who knows? Um, and so I started with that because, so we can end on a happy note, December 11th is also International Mountain Day. Um, I don't know, best, uh, best mountain, mountaintop you've, uh, witnessed and been on? Uh, White Mountains in New Hampshire, very, very nice. And like, 
do you have you ever gone on like a winter hike winter hikes are actually really like beautiful uh yeah uh no and, and that um that's definitely true and i um honestly just the, like like up in the hills at svc is like a, you know there's a nice view down into town you know it is I mean? it is a very nice view um costa rica and i went to costa rica ah, that's, this right, year. that's right yeah beautiful just beautiful um my coolest mountain experience would probably be in alaska we uh like we had a day off or whatever and we went up and uh couldn't even tell i couldn't i couldn't tell you what mountain we were at um but we were looking down we were looking down on fog and we were looking down on bush planes flying below us (laughs) which was which was pretty cool um and I like I took like the unbeaten path and went up like some jagged rocks and sliced up my hand and everybody made fun of me. It was a good day. It was fun. Yeah. Um, That's what you do when you're on a mountain. I was like, yeah, you know, go on the unbeaten path. Exactly. So um, yeah, Alaska was cool for several reasons, and uh, I definitely like to go because that was I went in July. So uh, basically, nothing but daylight. Okay, daylight. And uh, yeah, yeah. Right. I, I was trying to say I was trying to think daylight darkness daylight darkness. Couldn't, I think couldn't figure it out. Like I, I'd be cool with going back there. But Alaska is kind of like Texas North is kind of like what it felt like, you know. Um, so if I want, I want to see the Northern Lights, but I'd kind of like it. So I'd I'd do it there, but also like uh, you know, like Iceland. So it seems like mm. it would be a really cool place to yeah, witness that. I'd be down to go to Iceland. So uh, yeah. maybe uh, sell out sports on the road one day. Yes, to cover. Yeah, this is why we need to get into hockey. Because if the Mighty Ducks have told me anything, Iceland is very good at hockey. Noted. Or at least they're teenagers. Okay. Maybe like... Have you seen the Mighty Ducks? Rugby. At least the first one. No. <laughs> uh, I, even, I, I even made a meme about that because the, the yeah, Chiefs tackles at the beginning of the year were so deep. It was like, yeah, it's the fucking Flying V. I've seen this before. All right. I think that's an excellent place to end our show. Thank you, everybody, for being here. Thank you for your support. Thank you if you're one of our new fans. We have, uh, um, you know, we're, we're raking them in. We're over 2,700 followers on Facebook. It's, uh, you know, it's coming along. Um, but thank you, Cat TV, for giving us this equipment, letting us do this. Um, you know, it's fun every time. Thank you, Mike, for uh, putting up with me. And, uh, yeah, uh, it's only going to get better. Thank you, guys. <laughs>